Meanwhile, back at the Hall of Justice, our mild-mannered podcasters were bombarded by gamma rays, bitten by radioactive bugs, mutated by toxic waste, irradiated with cosmic rays, born into a world that doesn't understand them. First issue. everybody, it's Saturday, November 9th, 2013, and you are listening to the Talking Comics Podcast, and I'm here with Steve Say, Verily, Mr. Bob Ryer. You mean I don't have to try to remember what day it actually is? It no. actually really is Saturday. It's actually Saturday. Woo-hoo! And with us, a very special guest, host of the Man Cave Podcast, Mr. Jeff Schaefer. What's going on, guys? Thanks for having me. Jeff, welcome to uh, Talking Comics. It's so weird to just sit and not have to introduce stuff and just be part of the show. It's great. It was weird for me to start it up and be like, I actually have to do this when Jeff's sitting here. I got really nervous. I was like, okay, what am I going to say? And I was like, nothing. You're not going to say a thing. You're just going to sit down. And enjoy yourself. So thanks again for having me. Yeah, of course. Our so the guys who don't know, Jeff uh, hosts Man Cave Podcast, which I'm also on. Yes. Um, we uh, goes up on Tuesdays. We record it live on Monday nights usually. Correct. Um, I'm doing. Uh, I'm taking my girlfriend in the city for her birthday uh, this coming week, so mm-hmm. I won't be here for either of our podcasts. So tonight we decided we do a live podcast. Yep. Um, we're, we're broadcasting this live right now on uh, Google Hangouts and. Um, I've realized, I didn't say my name, my name is Bobby Shortle, <laughs> uh, and we're going to be talking about Thor The Dark World um, tonight. So That came out? That came out, yeah. L- little film mm-hmm. called Thor The Dark World, which we're going to be discussing. Uh, we'll also do some news, and we'll also do uh, a Book of the Week segment. Now, in- Jeff is an interesting guest to have with us here. <laughs> so... Um, Most shows like to have experts on their topic. This right. is really the... Exact opposite of that. It is. It <laughs> is what we're doing. Which is perfect. Yeah. yeah. So, I mean, but Jeff did see Thor. We saw it together mm-hmm, on, mm-hmm. on Thursday night. So, and he's seen all the Marvel movies. Yeah. So he is well versed in them, and he's constantly asking me questions about them. So <laughs> I'm very interested in the whole thing that goes on there. Yeah. I'm slightly above average Marvel fan, but compared to you guys, I'm a peon. Right. But in general, <laughs> I have watch a, what you're not, saying. <laughs> yeah. You're a very big Marvel movie fan. Yes. You're yeah, a huge a Marvel movie fan. Correct. Um. Jeff is not a, a, a big, he's not a comic book person, he doesn't read comics. Don't know how to read. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Ask one of our professors in college who Jeff told. Jeff told one of our professors in college, the reason he didn't do an assignment was because he doesn't read very good. I said, I said, I have trouble with reading. <laughs> and I got B's the whole rest of the year. It was great. So, yeah. Wow. Yeah. So, what there you go, strategy. folks. It's a good, uh, <laughs> good thing for you to learn yeah. uh, if you're, you're going to go into school. Just lie. Well, the poor, key part about telling lies in schools is make them so big and ridiculous yeah. that someone feels terrible to question you about it. <laughs> like, if someone would never be like, shut up, you can read. Because then you, if you really couldn't read, that'd be a yeah. terrible experience. When it's your true. parents come down to the school, you know, our son has dyslexia and he actually can't read. <laughs> and you're saying he, he can and, and he can't. And I'm not very smart, so it's very believable. <laughs> it was a good moment in Jeff Schaefer history. <laughs> so um, while we do uh, our books of the week, Jeff is actually going to talk a little bit about um, the big games of the week. Correct. In something we like to call sports. They throw balls around, you know. <laughs> 
compete for there winning. I don't know. There are rules. I don't know. Um, there's a little flavor of that. And um, if you guys enjoy uh, listening to Jeff talk about that stuff, please tune into the Man Cave Podcast. You can find it at themancavepodcast.com. Uh, yeah, and really, even if you don't enjoy it, you can yeah. still listen. I'm okay mm. with it. We don't judge over there. Just and subscribe. Just subscribe. <laughs> That's all and you want. Can, you can follow me on Twitter at Man Cave Podcast Sports guy stuff, video games, music, and we've been known to have an adult lady actress on the show from yes, time to time. Quite so, a few. Quite a few. I'm well known in that community, which is a, a weird thing to be proud of. Yeah. Jeff is what we are to the comic book community. He is the porn community. It is. I go to oh, all... See, I was just confused. Yeah. Is, is it like children's movies, actresses? No, no. it's adult movie. Actors. The key is to never mention children when talking about this. Yes. <laughs> weird men come to your door... Or, but Chris you, Hansen shows up, it's really right. bad. Yeah. As you guys go to Comic-Cons, I go to what's called Exotica, and mm-hmm. I interview <gasps> all the porn stars, and we have a great time. Oh. I have uh, some of the best sports writers in the world who've been on the show. Mm-hmm. Uh, Man Cave Podcast, right. we'd love to have. We have plenty of room. Pro quarterbacks, Sean Salisbury, Sean, the one night I was on, yeah. was, he was on. Last year, Sean Salisbury came on every week, which wow. was pretty crazy, yeah. which was fun. So plenty of room on the Man Cave bandwagon. Yeah. Love to have you. <laughs> and, and we do hold it down for the, the geek stuff as well. Oh yeah, I talk about it a lot. (laughs) Absolutely, that's what makes it. The idea was that it's all it's the circle of things that guys like. It's Mm -hmm. my aspects of the girls and the sports, and together we talk about movies. And Mm -hmm. Bobby talks about video games and talks about comic books, and Mm -hmm. and we try to paint the whole picture of stuff every guy would like. Absolutely, absolutely. Um, So, like I said, tune into that. But uh, we're gonna we're gonna press on here on on talking comics. Uh, And we're gonna talk about uh, a little bit of news. The biggest news, obviously, that came out uh, this week. Um, was the announcement of Marvel striking a deal with Netflix to make four original live-action television series. Holy moly. Um, culminating in a miniseries. So the, the four shows are going to be Daredevil, uh, Jessica Jones, Iron Fist, and Luke Cage, um, culminating in a Defenders miniseries to cap it all off, which they are pitching as the Avengers of the television side of, of their universe. <clears throat> um, and... Netflix is committed to one 13-episode season for each of those characters, and I don't believe they've said how many episodes the miniseries is going to be yet, um, but I think that they'll probably see that develop a- a- as we go along here. Um, Bob, what did you think when you heard this news? Just incredible, and I'm going to have to go sign up for Netflix, because <laughs> I, do, I don't do any of that stuff, so yeah. I'll have to buy the DVDs afterwards. Yeah. They picked four perfect street-level characters, and they've decided it's all going to be Hell's Kitchen. Yeah. So they'll each interact with each other, the local community. Luke Cage has been one of my favorites. We even talked about what Marvel character should have something. We yeah. went, yeah, Power Man and Iron Fist. How yeah. could you not? To throw Daredevil, who they just got back the rights to, mm-hmm. into this mix. The stories are going to be able to be told here. It's going to be the lower level Marvel universe to some people because it's not space aliens and mm-hmm. gods and whatever. The human stories that can be told here and have these super superpowered characters here. They're all, they've all interacted with each other before. Mm-hmm. There's tons of history here. It's all going to be about the creative teams, you know, yeah. who, they, who they sign on here, how this all works. As an announcement, as a set of characters to be together, this is amazing synergy. This yeah. is really, really smart. Now, yeah. now you mentioned uh, Just Incredible. Is that a superhero? I don't know. Is that Yeah, it's Justin I... Bieber's uh, <laughs> <Yeah>. alter ego. <laughs> Wasn't Just Incredible a wrestler? Yeah, he was. Okay. <laughs> well, I, mean, sure. yeah, yeah. I mean, I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> I'll have to look for him. Yeah. Uh, Steve, what do you think of this announcement? I think it's brilliant. Yeah. I think it's absolutely brilliant. Um, I got up in the morning and our friend Rob actually texted me. Texted goes, me too. Yeah. yeah. And he's like, 
did you hear the news? I was like, what the hell's... And of course, all I needed to do was bring up Twitter, mm-hmm. and it was all over the place. Yeah. Uh, I, it's brilliant. It's... it's we, I mean, we've talked about this on the show many times. Like, how would you go about... We were doing the whole reshaping the universes yep. and the movies and mm-hmm. stuff. We talked about them taking, you know, offbeat characters and doing more... It's like not small time, but just giving them their own spotlight and mm-hmm. how you got to weave them into this universe that's already right. big enough for some people. Uh, I've enjoyed a lot of the original series on Netflix, and mm-hmm. it's pretty crazy to watch them grow from being you know a rental service to the internet service, and now they have their own original content where creators seem to be able to make the shows that they want to make, and that they're taking these four characters, four great characters to work with and they're creating their own universe on this you know this television and movie service that they have i mean not only is it a brilliant move for netflix to gain so many more people into you know their program but it comic it's it's a short it's a short sign that comics are not going anywhere I had somebody approach me maybe about a year ago and was pretty much telling me that the set, the second wave of Marvel films were going to show that the whole comic trend was kind of going downhill mm-hmm. and that mm-hmm. it, you know, the, these movies aren't going to be as good as the originals. Just one of those people that yeah. mm-hmm. they like to say that. One of those guys. <laughs> well, I'm just, he couldn't have been more wrong. Mm-hmm. No offense. I still like, I still love the guy, but. You could not. If Who is he? We'll take this. him out. We'll kneecap him. <laughs> All right, Jay, listen. <laughs> if not, not our friend Jay, my friend Jay. You were wrong, buddy. Um, it's it's just it's growing and it's growing. Daredevil, awesome. Iron Fist, Luke Cage, and Jessica Jones. Like that's that's awesome. Yeah, it's all within the same city. In like, interactivity, building a whole other world outside of the major motion films, and who's to say that it won't transfer over? into bigger films yeah. and then you have all the people that love the Marvel films mm. will then go out and check out these other series and it's just planting seeds for Marvel to get bigger and bigger as their their reach and their audience grows they're growing as a company and it's just it's really awesome yeah I, I, I do believe and I think it was a joint thing but I do believe we I we said week months and months ago that they should do a series of television shows based yeah. around these characters yeah. set in New York and just do all the street level stuff. Um, it's a great idea. It, it's, it's perfect. And these characters are perfect for it. Um, I, I can't wait to see. It. I'll talk a little bit more, but Jeff, as someone who doesn't know these characters, but has loved kind of the Marvel cinematic stuff and, and the stuff in the movies, are you excited to hear this? I, it sounds really cool. And mm-hmm. I, I have kind of a bigger picture question for all three of you guys sure. here. And, and it's kind of, I'm curious to your response on this. And, and granted, I've loved everything that's happened mm-hmm. so far. But um, let, let me explain it to you this way. When I was younger, my parents had a catering hall, right? Okay, so tons of weddings and christenings and all that stuff. So every night, literally, not every night, but every week, my dad would bring home this pile of lobster tails and filet mignon, right? Mm-hmm. So every day, it's probably why I'm so cherubic now, but <laughs> <laughs> I would get to have... <laughs> filet mignon and lobster tail and it was always so great mm-hmm. like I, I, like here i am microwaving lobster tails and filet mignon and it was awesome and it was awesome but then after a while i got sick of filet mignon and lobster tail and it mm-hmm. didn't mean that the cow was any less delicious i had just been overexposed to it mm-hmm. and then i think about a time um when when the first christopher nolan batman came out okay and it was there wasn't there was some other things mm-hmm. there was blade there was some mm-hmm. other stuff there was x-men but it wasn't like it is now but boy, when that Batman came out, as soon as it ended, 
I looked at Bobby and go, how long do I have to wait to the next one? Remember? And yeah. you're like, probably five years. <laughs> and I was like, oh, you got to be kidding me. And yeah. I was craving for it. But now we're in a Marvel and comic book movie universe where we're having Flame and Yawn every day. Mm. At what point do you guys ever get concerned about it being too much of a good thing and, and to a point where people don't get excited about the product anymore? Um, I think it's a good question. It is a very good question. And I, I feel like any genre or any... Um, popular culture that 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 there's a real threat of that happening. But I think the th- the threat is different here because I think it changes from being like, oh, we're really excited about comic book movies to I think maybe the, the what will happen is people will start stop thinking of them like that. You know, where it's just if they become just another movie, just another co- another television show. You, you know, and that doesn't mean that they still won't make a lot of money or some mm. of them won't, but when there's so much, it's not like, you know, if Thor, if Thor doesn't make $250 million, people are gonna feel like it's a, it's a failure, you know, well, that's not the same expectations you have in every movie. Right. 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 So right now, even though we're in a period where the demand's very, very high and everybody wants it, there's expectations are also much higher because they still have that special, that special quality to them. Um, a lot of expectations, but you know, you wouldn't say one of people are gonna get tired of action movies. You know, when are people going to get tired of um, comedies? You know, these are just big action comedies for the most part, sometimes serious, but big action movies, big adventure movies, big crime movies that come out. And they happen to be drawing from the comic book world. But I, I think they've been diverse enough to stop that. And I think the people who love that stuff are always going to want it, regardless. You know, and if it's good, people will come to it. Um, so I feel like it's possible, but I feel like it's more of a genre or part of a genre um, that's been around for forever for since movies were being made rather than the singular thing that people go, oh, I'm tired of seeing movies about comic book characters. Right, forget the movie. You brought up a point that yeah. really is more to my question. Mm-hmm. Um, if we have people working on a Captain America movie every three years mm-hmm. and an Iron Man movie every three years and, and, and so on and so forth and now uh, Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. and mm-hmm. now the Netflix stuff. Do you think that having people working on so much stuff is going to thin out the quality of the product, not just the demand for it? Mm, I mean, that's a good question. I mean, Bob, what do you think? It could certainly happen. What's happening with Marvel, though, to me, is each of their movies has almost been in a different genre within action. Okay. Iron Man, science fiction. Thor is fantasy and mythology. (laughs) True. The Hulk is a horror movie. Captain America was World War II. Mm. They picked directors within each category. Kenneth Branagh, Joe Johnson, mm. uh, John Favreau, to do movies within them. They're making separate movies within their own little category. And then we're going to go into Space Forest coming soon. Mm. Right. So th- they're trying to change things up. And that could take some of that sting away. Okay. But just what you were saying, what I agreed wholeheartedly with, it is part of action is what mm. they're doing. When every action movie for five years turned into Die Hard. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. To the point that I saw Harlan Ellison at an icon complaining about one of the studio people who was coming over his house. They were pitching a new action movie of theirs to the studio by calling it, This is like Die Hard in an office building. <laughs> That's when you knew the genre was oversaturated and done. Yeah. <laughs> but you come all the way back around. So if we come back around to this, they're just, Is everything a superhero? Mm-hmm. It's going to be bad. But they're still making okay. cop comedies and yeah. Yeah, everything yeah. else from the other studios. Marvel makes four movies a year. In, yeah, Marvel the Mar- movies that, uh, Marvel with the Marvel branding on. Marvel Studios makes two a year, usually. You know, we, we, get, we get one 
We get a Thor. This year we got Iron Man and Thor. Next year we get Cap and Guardians. You get one from Fox and a Spider Man. Yeah, okay, yeah, yeah. So usually it's probably it's probably three a year. I think this year it's more. This year is going to be four coming up mm-hmm. because we've got X Men, Spider Man, and the two Marvel movies that right. are coming out. Um, that John Favreau, he's he's so money he doesn't even know it. <laughs> yeah. I mean, Steve, what do you think about that? About burnout on the, the burnout? Comic, yeah, on comic book movies and media in general. I don't think it's going to happen for quite a while. Okay. Um, I think that's so long as people are passionate about making these movies and the creators, the directors, and the cast, even if they have to move people around after a certain amount of time, that so long as there are stories to be told, that people will want to see them. Hmm. You know, um, I think the the comic book fan base and... I mean, you have that as a start. I mean, that is huge. Mm-hmm. You know, people that are into comic books, we've had movies in the past, but we've never had movies like this. We never right. had movies with, you know, A-list actors portraying our favorite characters or top-notch directors directing these things and special effects teams that make other movies look silly. Right. You know, and I mean, right now, I th- I think, I mean, we're we're witnessing a time right now where comic book movies are like they're the golden child of the of Hollywood. Absolutely. Right now. Um and with such a wide library of heroes, of characters, who's to say they won't invent people in the future if people start getting tired of seeing Captain America, whoever else. There's always somewhere else. There's another bag to pull from. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think that so long as fans want to see this stuff, that there will be... I mean, who's to say that it won't become... Like Bobby was saying how the the genres get blurred or how Bob pointed out that they're... You know, they go into horror, they go into fantasy, they go into these things. That comic book movies will just become their own genre and will be accepted into the mainstream as just... That's... Like, it's another one of those categories... In the future, yeah. I, I definitely think it's been accepted. I mean, yeah, yeah. I mean, just um, they're the biggest movies in the well, world. Yeah, it's like, uh, for example, my my mom. My mom does not read comic books. She's read a couple of Jeff Lemire things because I wanted to torture her. <laughs> but um, I, she watched Avengers with me, and she'd never really seen too many comic book movies in the past. She flipped out over it. She loved it. It was like the best thing. I took her to go and see Pacific Rim. She loved the hell out of that. She said it was one of the best times she'd ever had at the movies. Hmm. And she is not involved in this stuff at all. Right. So you take someone like that who's now a fan of the comic book movies. I told her I came back from seeing Thor and what I thought of it. Immediately, she wants to sit down with me and, you know, have a mother and son night where we watch the first Thor. <laughs> That's awesome. Then go wants to go to again. the movies with me yeah. to go and see Thor 2. That's awesome. And I think that that's happening all over the place. I think that finally people that are into comic books that also love movies, they now have those movies that they can sit down with other people that love good movies. And those other people who may, might not know where all these characters are coming from, not to say that they don't... I'm not saying they're stupid and they don't know the difference, but I don't think that they care. Mm-hmm. Um, I think they just want to be entertained. Comic book fans want that that attention to detail. A lot of other people, they just want to have a good time. Well, that's... you talk. What you talked about a lot there is the dichotomy of mm. when Bobby and I go see a yeah. movie. Like, when we're like... He like he knows, like, Thor came out this week and he was like, all right, man, when, when do you want to go see it? <laughs> you know, just because I like seeing comic book movies with yeah, Bobby. Yeah. Because a couple of reasons. One, if I have a question, mm-hmm. Bobby usually knows the yeah, answer, right? Yeah. So I can be like, who's that guy? Mm-hmm. Why, is this, why is he so angry? Right? Yeah. Or whatever it is. And the other part is, at the end of the movie, I'm a little jealous of Bobby 
Because I feel like he knows stuff I don't. <laughs> you know what I'm like? Oh, who are these people? Why are they hiding this thing? I, I did. <laughs> you know? I did that towards the end of Thor. I, I like I squeed a little bit, mm-hmm. and um, first thing next to me was like, "Who is that?" And I'm like, yeah. <laughs> "I'll get to it later. You'll find yeah. out." Oh, it's awesome. Um, you mentioned about quality though, about spreading out. The thing people kind of don't understand about about movie studios and making TV shows is that even though Marvel's name will be on all of these things. When you make a TV show or make a movie, it's like you're you're re- resurrecting a or, or inventing a new company uh, for that you know six to eighteen month period, whatever how long it takes you to make the movie, and then that company basically gets shut down, and you start <laughs> a new company when you make a new movie. You know, it's all, it's none of the same people are going to be working on Thor that worked on work on Cap and, and so on and so forth and so on and so forth, and. Just you can look at the, just the more movies that came out this year as far as tone goes, and you can see the difference because Iron Man three feels nothing like Thor: The Dark World no. at all. <clears throat> they're, they're completely different movies. You know, Iron Man is a very traditional like this is an action comedy. Yeah. In, in the style of the, the, the director and the writer. Made, yeah. yeah, yeah. Shane Black, <laughs> the weapon. Yeah. That's what it feels like, you know? And this feel, I mean, we'll talk about this later, obviously, but Thor is a completely different feel than that. It's a high fantasy, high... Star Wars movie. Yeah, you know? exactly, exactly. So that diversity, I think, is also something they've talked about very much. You know, Kevin Feige, the, the head of Marvel Studios, is always talking about, we have to make them different because if we don't make them different, people are going to get tired of them. Yeah. Um, and you saw, we saw the trailer for Cap, obviously. Mm-hmm. And Cap looks like a totally different movie than the ones we saw before. Yes. Uh, so I think that's how they how they save themselves. And look, if they keep doing, and you'll see this, you'll see Cap three, you'll see Thor three. You know, you're going to see these movies as we go along. But as long as they keep interjecting things like Guardians of the Galaxy, which we're going to talk about, um, you know, we, we know we have Ant Man coming up. They're going to announce a Doctor Strange movie. You know, these are characters that people don't know. And for me, it's just like when they first started with Iron Man, which is. To people going to see Iron Man, they weren't like, oh, I'm going to see this Marvel movie. Mm-mm. They're like, I'm going to see this action movie with this guy who flies around in a suit. Yeah, with Robert Downey, who Robert I want Downey. to see as he completely crashed and burned and I was like, what's I'll, left. And- exactly. I was like, yeah. Bobby, I think they remade The Rocketeer and he's totally badass yeah. now. <laughs> <laughs> and I remember, I remember talking to you on the phone about Iron Man. I was like, you've got to see it. Yeah. And you were like, I don't know. And I was like, look, it has... Because uh, Jeff and I both did acting in in college and in high school, and I said it has a amazing singular performance at the front of it that like owns the movie, and I know you'll love it. And when you see it, you love that movie, right? So oh, and and I, I, it's interesting. I was going to bring this up later, but as a casual fan of comic book movies, or, or I love them all, but it takes a lot for me to be interested. And I was wrong about Iron Man. Mm-hmm. But I gladly admit that I was wrong about Iron mm. Man because I've loved every minute of it. Mm. So that's if you guys, Iron Man to comic book movies is such a win. Oh, yeah. Because yeah. it's such a character I had no idea. Yeah. Like they could have put any hot pile of garbage together for a Superman movie and I would have gone to see it mm. no matter what. And yep. they kind of did. Yeah. But <laughs> we'll agree on this side. Hey, of well, yeah. But, you know, Iron Man, it was. You can get some of the mail we get now. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Great. But Iron Man wasn't that way. Like, they had to prove me wrong with Iron Man. Mm-hmm. And, and, yeah. and I represent a big chunk of moviegoers. I'm that extra money. They know you guys are going to go see it. But I, me and my people are that extra money that they want, you know? Yeah, and, Iron Man now Iron Man was seems great. like it's an A character, but he really that's wasn't. That's and what Bobby was, tells me. Yeah. You had to really prove to the audience that, okay, this is a character you should care about mm-hmm. with a story that resonates after all these years. They did a great job. Now, Marvel started their movies, you know, Blade and all those things years ago, and they're all sort of false stars. X-Men, they were good movies, made a lot of money, but it didn't create this shared universe. Yeah. 
that Marvel's now really playing their A game with. That said, if they crapped out four rotten movies, which I can't imagine happening, yeah. the quality control of it so far, but mm. let's just say Guardians bombs mm. for some reason and then Cap goes down the drain, mm. will they pull back, spend less money, right. try to make smaller movies? Anything's possible, but mm. I don't know. Just, not with those Disney ducats behind them now. <laughs> it doesn't seem that way. Yeah. <laughs> They'll fix what goes wrong, yeah. uh, whether it's in post or reshooting, which mm. apparently they did with Thor. They added some stuff. Yeah, which we'll, we'll definitely talk yeah. about when we're Ooh, talking about I Thor. I can't wait. Yeah. yeah. Um, and, just, and this is tangential news for Disney and their, their movies, but they announced the release date for Star Wars. I think it's this December 15th. 2015, yep. something like that, in so Dece- December 2015. New, new writers, or old writers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. They, they just moved Michael Arndt off the project, and now J.J. Abrams and Lawrence Kasdan. Lawrence Kasdan, which is good news. Who wrote um, Empire Strikes Back, so... Yep. Oh yeah, Ooh, uh, yep, absolutely. That's good news. Um, hey, that is and good they made news. a big deal about it, but honestly, like writer turnover happens every single day in Hollywood. Nobody stays on a project the whole time, mm-hmm. usually. So they're making a big deal out of it. But we're not talking too much about Star Wars. But that, that's cool Kasdan? news. Kasdan's good news. Yeah, Lawrence Kasdan is great news. One of my favorite movies of all time, Empire Strikes Back. So we'll see what happens there. Um, so uh, staying on the movie side of things right now, uh, they we've had a lot of rumors about Batman and Superman bubbling around mm-hmm. and you know more casting rumors for a potential one Roman character uh and one of the bigger rumors though and one of the things that seems more solid is that Nightwing uh Dick Grayson is going to be in the movie and they've even um I can't remember his name he's an actor from that show Girls and Six uh, Feet Under yeah yeah his name things. is Adam Driver the dude uh, with a really long face yeah this dude <laughs> Adam Driver walks into a bar and the bartender says this, hey why the long face? Yeah. <laughs> I was going to try to stop you, but you look too Just enthusiastic. Uh, yeah. Also on the show Haven. Oh, okay. As well. So this comes swirling around. This is the most concrete of a, a ton of rumors, right? That there's going to be there's going to be a lot of DC characters in this movie, whether it be in small roles, big roles, just mentions, whatever. Um, this obviously plays more heavily because this is a character... Um, you know, involved with one of the titular characters. This is Nightwing, Dick Grayson, the first Robin. What do you think about them going right to Robin, uh, right to Nightwing? Bob? I was wondering about that. Yeah. Is there Robin in between? We are saying this is years after Batman. He's yeah, that been he's been Batman for a while. He's been not only retired, but he's been doing it for a while. He's we're not seeing Batman's origin again. So, so flashbacks to Robin. Maybe I, I'm thinking yeah. we almost have to go there. Yeah. People are going to expect that, especially mm-hmm. that they called him Robin in the last movie. Yeah. <laughs> That's not a bad idea. You mm. don't want an eight-year-old kid running right. around. So we go with a teenager and mm. play with that. Now, the whole Wonder Woman thing is involved here, too, now, We're, again? Yeah, well, this is just, they, 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 they posited a couple of actresses. I know Olga Karlenko was one of them, and a couple more. Um, you know, it, it's, again, it's they are definitely looking at these people for a role in Superman, Batman, they have they've been they haven't said it's Wonder Woman, but they've said tall, muscular, exotic. So <laughs> who is this Olga? What's her face? Karolanko from she's she was in uh, Quantum, of Quantum of Solace and Oblivion. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. Am um, I gonna Am I gonna be happy with this? Because I'm really into the casting of Wonder Woman. It's yeah, he's very been very. To me. He's been very. I got a, one chick, one woman. I really, I think I'm on my show calling them yeah, chicks. I gotta yeah, be careful. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> one woman I've wanted the whole time, and that mm. is. Oh well, it's um actually the girl got cast in that horrible TV show 
Adrian Palicki. She could have worked. Yeah. That I, I, movie is awful. Yeah. Steve and I drunk tweeted it about a year ago. <laughs> it was awesome. Well, I came from a different angle to that mm. conclusion. I saw G.I. Joe. Yeah. And I, I got out of the movie. I was like, Bobby, did we see it together? We saw it together. So, and I was like, that girl should be Wonder Woman. Well, she could have. Yeah. I mean, she really could have. She yeah. can act. She's statuesque. Yeah. Very pretty. Mm hmm. They gave her a pile of poop to act in, and yeah. she acted the crap out of a pile of poop. Yeah. Statuesque. That, I'm going to start using that That's a good one. That's a good one. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Steve, what do you, what do you think about Nightwing in Batman Superman? Why not? Yeah. <laughs> Why not? We're going we're gonna to throw Wonder Woman in the bunch. We're mm-hmm. going to name a bunch of other people. Mm-hmm. We're going to try to jumpstart DC's... Mm-hmm. Uh, movie universe with one movie mm-hmm. and cram is I'm sorry I'm being very negative <laughs> um, nah, what, I, I, let's put it this way I really 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 enjoy the actor mm-hmm. that they're saying is more or less you know confirmed to play Nightwing or is at least heavily rumored if it turns out that he's going to be in the next Batman film like alongside Ben Affleck mm-hmm. I think that could really really uh, work out mm-hmm. especially for him yeah that would be tremendous exposure <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, for him and he's a good actor he's mm-hmm. a very good actor I've never seen him in something and not liked him or not found him charismatic or whatever mm-hmm. uh, as far as the character being in the movie I think it's a smart move as opposed to doing a, a Robin thing at whatever age mm-hmm. um, but with that said it would be cool if perhaps there was like a like a lingering history like a ghost uh, in the closet kind of thing throughout. And that's maybe, you know, cause for some dramatic tension yeah. throughout the movie that he doesn't feel like he can live up or some, something, yeah. you know? Yeah, that'd be yeah. great. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, if they if they use it and they use it well, I'm all for it. I just, I'm still so worried about mm-hmm. the writing team, mm-hmm. regardless of who they decide to throw into this movie. I will be nervous until the day that I see it. <laughs> Yeah, I, I have something to say about mm-hmm. this. This sure. seems to me, the way just the way you put it now, as the first smart thing DC has done with this whole mess. And what it appears to be is not as anything to do with comic books, mm-hmm. but just as a business perspective, they watched Marvel do it one way. Here's Iron Man, here's Thor, here's Captain America, and they all come together for the Avengers, and that's been a huge success. But here's DC, and they're like, holy cow, we blew it, right? Mm-hmm. Now They can't copy what Marvel did, because they don't have the time. Mm. By the time they introduce a, a single movie for all these characters, the Batman's turning over anyway. Mm. Their biggest property is now going to have to be new. So they set up this movie. Whether it's great or not, here's all the characters. Here's Wonder Woman. Here's Nightwing. Here's Batman. Here's Superman. Here's some characters Jeff's never heard about. <laughs> and now what that lets you yeah. do is they've already been introduced. So they're there. They exist. They're a thing. Mm-hmm. They'll test what went well, what went didn't. If Wonder Woman's a big success in this movie... Well, now she can have her own movie, mm. and you don't have to explain everything again. Mm. You don't have to start from zero. Batman doesn't have to go to the theater with his dad. You know what I'm saying? Like, all this can <laughs> yeah. happen now. Because As opposed it ha- to what they do now, which is retell the origin. Yeah. I can't, I can't, watch, I can't yeah. watch Batman's dad get shot in the hallway anymore. <laughs> it's outside too, of too theater. traumatic. I can't. I can't. I, can't. I, I know what happens. I can't yeah. watch Spider-Man get bit by the spider. Yeah. I'm done with all this. Mm. So I think, while it... It's not ideal for the corporation and the company mm-hmm. from the beginning. Where they're at now, it seems like a pretty good idea. Yeah. yeah. Well, I mean, we talked about this, right? That the, the inclusion of Batman, inclusion of Ben Affleck in the movie has got me more interested in, in the sequel to this film than I ever would have been. Um, I think the inclusion of Nightwing is a good idea. And like Steve was saying, I think that using him as... Now he's Nightwing, but he was Robin. And you can do flashbacks. You can do that, that lingering tension between the characters. And all of a sudden... 
you have this whole world that exists for that person without having to go through all of it. You know, you don't have to do two movies with a kid as Robin. Because look, I love Robin. I think Robin is one of the best, in all his incarnations, is one of the best characters in comic books. I love him. Mm -hmm. But I don't, I just don't know if it works in a movie. Because actually seeing a 12-year-old kid you know, with Fighting a crime, which look, look, you can do it in call kick- child protective exactly. services. Exactly, yeah. you, you see it in Kick Ass, right? And you're like, right. "Wow, she's badass." But I feel a little weird that her mm. dad's letting her fight people, you know, and put her yeah. life in danger. So I feel like that's how it would feel in a movie. It would feel like Kick Ass, regardless. Right. Well, Kick Ass, it works. It's a satire. Yeah, exactly. And it's so played over the yeah. top. But you saw a little kid there. Yeah. I am still concerned that we're going to totally still have problems. Yeah, of course. Yeah, and so am we're I. Gonna see where we go here. You know, if it turns out that we see Batman has actually killed the Graysons, for instance, yeah, you know, I don't think broke that's their necks happen. or whatever, I don't want to see that. Yeah. I, I, Superman I, did it in yeah. one of his rages while yeah. he was destroying yes. buildings yeah. all over Manhattan. Right. That, that could happen. But what is going to happen here, I think you're going to see Ben Affleck, the reason he was hired is to eventually end up with a Justice League movie. We mm-hmm. talked about, I screamed and yelled about they should do a world's finest movie, which they made yeah. or are making. Mm. If we do a Flash Green Lantern movie, if Flash is a success on Arrow on mm. television, mm-hmm. resurrect Green Lantern. They were always partners in the Justice League. Mm-hmm. Do that. Throw the yeah. Martian Manhunter into that, and then a second movie. Then do you write to the Justice League? Just what Jeff is saying. Yeah. You've or triangulated your way into yeah. a, the jump start that Steve's yeah. talking about. Or I just had another idea. They could do what I thought they were going to do with the X Men, and all these characters could have origin movies. <laughs> you know, it could be Wonder Woman Origins. And we'd yeah. be like, oh, this is that. They've yeah. already created a market and a mm-hmm. need for these things. Right. After yeah, Justice back League. Around. After, yeah, yeah, after Justice League now, they can yeah. they have a base to work with on these characters. Great idea. Yeah. Well, you're, well thank you. <laughs> <laughs> cut them a check. Copyright it. Cut a, yeah, cut a check right now. <laughs> We're always giving them ideas. Yeah, it's We're true. always giving them gold. It's yeah. true. Where, where's our cut? Um, <laughs> moving out of the movie universe a little bit. So, obviously, we've got all new Marvel now running up on us very quickly here um and last week we talked about um the new miss marvel which has taken the pop culture landscape by storm in the last week it's been on every major news program it was on it was on colbert um our alumni our our co-host stephanie was just on the canadian news like you know main like news talking about miss marvel uh which is which is really awesome um so uh that's what's about that and this week um, which when I initially read this news, I was very confused by it because they announced a new adjectiveless X-Force book uh, written by Cy Spurrier. Um, I do want to see that on the cover of a book someday. Yeah, adjectiveless. Adjectiveless. <laughs> <laughs> with with uh, art by Rock Hee Kim. Um, and I was like, so they're adding a third X-Force book? This seems like a little much because we've talked about how many at least X-Men books there are and now yeah. there's even multiples of the of the gradations of the X-Men books. But as a matter of fact, both Uncanny X-Force and Cable and X-Force are coming to an end at the end of the year, and in, uh, this X-Force book is taking the place of both of them. Aww. Um, I like Cable and X-Force. But Cable is now the leader of this new X-Force oh. uh, with Phantom X and Psylocke. Um, so, Steve, you've been liking Cable and X-Force. I like it a lot. Now that it's kind of transitioning into this book, will you be picking up this regular X-Force book? Yes, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Um I like Cy Spurrier as a writer. Absolutely. He's mm-hmm. great. And uh, yeah, I mean, I I dropped off of Uncanny X-Force after I think about two or three issues. It was mm-hmm. just a little too schizophrenic for me. Mm-hmm. But uh, Cable and X-Force has been 
one of like the I mean, I don't think it'll make make it to any list, but it was a huge surprise for me that it's one of those things that I kept buying and wasn't really paying attention to buying, mm-hmm. and then I actually sat down with it, and I really enjoyed it. I'm actually like current with the book, oh, which awesome. is really rare. I did not know that. Uh, yeah, no, it's been excellent. The the Domino stuff, Domino to me is like Warbird. How Warbird is in Wolverine and the X Men. She's this hilarious, you know, female warrior assassin type. Mm. Uh, Domino is like the warbird of the X Force. Mm-hmm. She's just she's hysterical. She's always cracking really good jokes. Um, she's promiscuous, but you still have respect for her. And uh, <laughs> I don't know. It's a it's a fun book that plays with time travel in a way where I don't get confused. Okay. So I I like that. Cool. I haven't been reading it at all, so that's interesting to hear. It's really good. Yeah. Me neither. And I'm now concerned about the exodus of characters from Brian Wood's X Men. We've now lost Kitty. Yeah, and Psylocke. But Psylocke has been in has been in the Uncanny X Force book this mm-hmm. whole time, so I don't think you're going to not see her in X Men anymore. I sure hope so. I don't think so. I don't think that. I think you'll be fine with that. I, I think that she's been in X Force literally for like the last like five years because she was in the Remender stuff as well. Okay. So I think you're you're fine with that. I'm excited about this because I tried reading both Cable and X Force and Uncanny, and I didn't really get into either of them. To be fair, I didn't give them very long. Considering how many books we buy, it was one of those books that just got the axe. I was like, you know what? I haven't. I don't feel the desire to read this right now, so I'm gonna drop it. Uh, this relaunch, I'll absolutely buy this first issue. Um, of the two, I was enjoying Cable and X Force more than Uncanny. So uh, I, I think Cy Spurrier is an interesting writer. I obviously I have not read a ton of his stuff, but I, I feel like he's probably right for this type of book. I mean, um, just so Jeff has a little, a little clue what we're talking say, about. I think I've done pretty well up to this point. Yeah. <laughs> X-Force is a, a clandestine team of X-Men. Basically, they, they go on missions that the regular X-Men can't do, won't do, don't want to know about. You know, so they will often be a little bit, you know, a little bit darker. They'll, they'll kill, you know, they'll go on assassination missions. You know, they're basically that the CIA of the, of the X Men. Okay, um, I like that. that's a yeah. lot of letters, but that's very good. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I didn't know if it was a B Squad X Men, but now you're telling me they're basically evil X Men. I'm okay with it. Yeah. They're on the fringe. They're, okay. they're not X-Men. evil. Yeah, they're just you know, I'm not a good guy. I'm not a bad guy. <laughs> so that's the kind of X Men they are. Uh, that's what my Facebook profile says. <laughs> <laughs> well, the coolest thing about the X Men in general is that. They're they're really there are B level X Men, but they're just mm-hmm. part of the X Men. You know, yeah. they don't end up putting them on their own team. They just end up as being side characters in the main X Men books. Um, and we're definitely going to talk about another X Men book uh, when we get to books of the week because mm-hmm. that was a, a pretty big announcement. Um, uh, but that's really it for the news that I've got so far. I, um, obviously, I'm sure more news will come out the time when we usually record i know sales numbers would probably hit i know there was preliminary sales numbers mm-hmm. um usually we don't share too many of uh, of them was there anything that stood out to you though bob there well to me just what we sort of postulated the dc numbers fell i mean where they they took the market share 31 mm-hmm. to 30 over uh marvel and they lost unit sales though by a half a percentage point but those numbers they were at 40 and 45 dollar in unit mm-hmm. during villains month they are right back where they were yeah. in August. Mm-hmm. So it was a one-month thing that didn't translate at all to people buying other books. And these numbers might still be inflated by that last week mm-hmm. as people picked up books. Right, yeah. They made a dent, mm-hmm. made some money, and now they're announcing steampunk variant covers. Oh, boy. <laughs> for February. All right. 
I'm Steam sure they'll Punk. be on 3D paper. Get your pre-orders now, folks. Yeah. Um, so we'll move on from news here, and we'll okay. we'll, we'll talk about uh, books, uh, books of the week. Uh, Bob, why don't you start us out here? Well, uh, yeah, and I'm going to start in a really bizarre place because, in honor <laughs> of our guest, who does a, a podcast where we do sports and everything, yes. I have with me the San Francisco Giants 1966 yearbook that I bought. This is incredible. It, yeah, yeah. it's incredible. I'm afraid to breathe well, on please, it too hard. No, go breathe. right ahead. Well, I was great. a big baseball fan back in the day and still am. And you can look at names you've probably only seen on old baseball <laughs> cards or seen, you know, some weird old guy like me on a TV show talk about. What's neat about this is the glasses the front, front office wears, yeah. they're, they're all hipsters before being hipsters was cool. <laughs> it's come back around again. <laughs> see? Back, yeah. They could live in Williamsburg and anything. <laughs> and then to sort of pay homage to the other thing you do with your podcast, Jeff, I'd like you to read the, I'd like you to read the title of this book, which is very famous in the comic book world. Read it out live on, on the air, please. Oh, good. This is um, Giant Size Man Thing. <laughs> We do a whole segment called Giant Size Man Thing. See, that's what I was hoping. This is actually the Giant Size Man Thing number three, which is the first appearance of Howard the Duck. Oh, oh cool. So, there we go. For or, Orlando Cepeda, is he the best player on the 66 Giants? No, Willie Mays. Oh, the Willie Mays. What am I thinking? I haven't got that far yet. Sorry. And, and <laughs> Willie sports McCovey. guy you are. I know. This is Cepeda great. had a bad knee and didn't play that year, and they traded him for Ray Sadecki. Oh, that's right. We talked about Yeah, and the Cardinals won the World Series, and he was MVP, <laughs> and we've been trying to live that trade down all these years. <laughs> and he was, Orlando Cepeda is the second designated hitter to come to bat in the American League. Oh, look at oh, that. Who was that. the first? Ron Bloomberg of the New York Yankees. Cepeda was playing for the Red Sox. He's now, he's now the mayor of New York City. Oh, oh you kidding. beat me to it. <laughs> you knew what was going I knew it. I knew it. You were distracted by this reading. <laughs> <laughs> Pretending to read. I made it very clear. Yes. Uh, mm, interesting. Hal Lanier, manager Guy of the with major glasses. for years and years. <laughs> <laughs> He's one of our good relief pitchers. Ooh, two Hall of Famers on the same page. Mm-hmm. Willie Mays hit 52 home runs, apparently, in 1965. Yeah. He was MVP. Showed his, his mvp all year long. Uh, hit 17 home runs in August. Oh, we're going, we're going to go deep now. Um <laughs> He also won the MVP in 1954 and was the only player to win MVP awards scattered by that many years. Wow. I'm just is is home run totals for a couple of years going back starting with 65 and going backwards. 52, 47, 38, 49, 40. Today those numbers are elite numbers. Mm-hmm. There's a time in the 90s where those don't carry over because mm-hmm. of Right, you know, steroids. and this is the so this is the era of the pitcher, yeah. uh, the dead ball it. pitching era. Well, because yeah. look at the page next to him is Juan Marichal, the Hall of Fame pitcher. Look at his ERAs for the preceding couple of years there. Yeah, uh, two fourteen, two forty eight, two forty one, three thirty two, three eighty nine, two sixty seven. Yeah, he's uh, incredible. Yeah, yeah. And innings pitched three hundred in a year. Anyway, to comic books. Yeah, I, I, I shanghaied that for anybody up. with reference though, like a four ERA, people like he's pretty good this year. This yeah, year, so he'd get, if he had a four ERA this year, he'd make nine million dollars. Yeah, exactly. We talked about that. It's the craziness of sports. Um, but so, first one, really quickly, and I'll let you guys all chime in because I know it's on everyone's list. Amazing X Men number one. Yeah, this is my book of the week, Bob. My ah, book of the so week. I will pass on that. We'll let's save your book yeah, of the week. Yeah, yeah. We'll savor that one. Well, it's not my book of the week, but it's my next book of the week. But my actual book of the week is Bob needs to talk about it first. Okay. So, okay, yeah, uh, Mighty Avengers number three, which okay. I'm really enjoying. This one we've we've gotten a little past mm-hmm. the Thanos thing. We're a lot in some Lovecraftian Shoma Garath and Doctor Strange is mm-hmm. 
having his problems with the ebony maw. White Tiger and the Spider Hero. We're dealing with other the Tiger Gods and some other stuff going on here. And Luke Cage's We're All Avengers mm-hmm. page. I know people hate Greg Land, but I thought that was a very effective page by him. I didn't pick it up, Bob. <gasps> I Amazing X-Men took the place. Okay. It took the three ninety nine out of Mighty Avengers <laughs> that I had to spend. It's just the way no, it goes. No. Well, you were on the cusp with this one, and yeah. it started shaky for a mm-hmm. lot of people. People don't like this fellow's art. He does a lot of sort of Photoshop yeah. copying of things. Oh, okay. It's just very, it's stiff a lot of the very time. Very postery. Yeah. Hmm. A lot of good Monica Rambo, Captain Marvel, okay. ex-Captain Marvel, mm-hmm. now Spectrum thing. Uh, Otto is really Otto here. Mm-hmm. He's mouthing off to the Blue Marvel as if, well, that's nearly to my level. <laughs> Okay, great, Otto. Uh, Steve, no? I I haven't, but I'm happy to hear that you like it because it might make me pick it up this Wednesday yeah. and give it another shot because it, you know, it, it did start off real shaky. And uh, it's it's sad, but when you, when you said that you liked it, I had this, like, daydream vision of it being canceled. Well, it will. If I say, Jeff, that's one of the things of our show. If I pick up some book... They shut it down? This one, this one, which is one of my favorites, the, no, movement, the movement number six, yeah. which I'm now going to talk about, is selling all of about 11,000 copies yeah. a month. So why don't you tell what the, Jeff what the movement is about? Well, the movement, as, as what it's really about, as opposed to what DC promoted it as, it's the city, it's Coral City, and they're the teens, they have these streets that are, the police won't even go on, terrible crime. We have, and sort of ad hoc group of superheroes who've decided they're going to take back their neighborhood from the criminals and the bad people and do it themselves. Sounds like the uh, prostitutes in Sin City. Well, <laughs> in some ways, <laughs> yeah, you're absolutely right. Yeah. And what they have here is a very diverse uh, set of heroes. Mm-hmm. We've got it's a bunch of women, mm-hmm. lesbians, mm-hmm. bi's, Muslims, yeah, a girl in a wheelchair, the yeah. vengeance moth. Appar- yeah. Apparently, Muslims are huge right now. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> well, it, it's up. funny in, in all the the talk. <laughs> with, there was no you, pun you, intended. You didn't, you didn't mean that. Did there you? was no pun intended at all there. No pun intended. I think that is the no pun intended yeah, at all that's, there. That's, and it's, sadly, this is live. So yeah, yeah, yeah. Talk. I would edit out anyway, but it's yeah, not it's, no pun intended. <laughs> I meant that in a good way. Oh, I love it. So now what we have here, we're six issues into this. What really happened here, Jeff, when this book was promoted, there was this book and something called Green Team Millionaires. Mm-hmm. And the excuse posters me, Bob, excuse were... Me. Teen Trillionaires. Trillionaires. <laughs> okay. I'm sorry. Yes. I'm, I'm, I'm like Dr. Evil in the wrong time period. <laughs> they put these books out right after the Occupy Wall Street movement. Mm. Oh. And this book was... With a raised fist, and it's it's the ninety nine percent. The other one's the one percent, and the solicits made this sound like some political screed. That okay, this should have been the Rachel Maddow show in four color comics, mm-hmm. and it really isn't that. No. It's a superhero book with great characters and a great drama that has gone down the drain over uh, the problem that it couldn't even get a good start. What was it? The first first was even sell- eighteen or yeah, twenty bad which, sales half of what it might have been if they had done their homework and looked yeah. at the book differently. In this one, we have the, the, there's a new group of vigilantes who are really far afield and not, not so nice, nice person. Not the nice. Graveyard Faction. Yeah. All right. Well, they're not advertised as very nice. <laughs> yeah. So they've staked their claim to some of their areas. So now they're starting to pull their weight here. There's mm. bad stuff coming. 
Uh, we have a character who looks to have been possessed. Turns out it's actually his mutant power. Mm -hmm. So they're trying to exercise, but it looks like there's a surprise coming at the end of next issue because there's a <gasps> gasp moment <laughs> okay. that we don't see what happened off panel. We have two of the characters here. One has turned into be a mole for the police who these characters are fighting against, corrupt police who try to rape women on the streets and do terrible, terrible things. Mm -hmm. And in their fighting, their chief character, her name is Virtue, who can see emotions with people, sees that these people do will get over this, sends them out for ice cream. Yeah. Go order the That's biggest good... ice cream sundae you can get and talk it out and don't leave till you got it figured out. Mm -hmm. And they're sitting on going, I think she created dessert diplomacy. Yeah. <laughs> it was good. That was a really good, that was a really good but, moment. Yeah. Nice moment. It, it's just a yeah. clever, clever series writer, Gail Simone and Freddie Williams art just yeah. ropes me in every week. It's, it's cartoony, Mm -hmm. but still grim when it needs to in those moments when it should be. And so for those who are not reading it, hurry up and read it because Gail Simone has apparently pitched five issues. I overspoke that she delivered. She's apparently pitched five more issues. Gotcha. Whether or not they actually see the mm -hmm. light of day... I hope DC sticks with this. It's just yeah. been a, a really, really fun book. Uh, yeah, it was another great issue. I, I, I really, really enjoyed it. Um, it... It was sold, you know, very wrong. I think they, I think they were going where they thought would be something that would attract people to it, kind of the, um, the catchy, you know, tagline to it and stuff like that. But neither book fit into that that mold very well. Um, so I think you're in a lose lose situation because I think some people don't read it because they think it's one thing, and people who read it thinking it's one thing are then disappointed because it's not yeah. what they thought it was, right? Um, but they, she's developed some really cool new. Uh, well-defined characters here um, with really bizarre power sets. You know, it yeah, mouse and tremor. Are yeah, really crazy. And it, it and it feels, you know, it feels like a like a like a Vertigo book or or, or, or something like that. Something fringe almost because of the way that you're you're dealing with the characters and the, the newness of who they are. It's a really ballsy move to introduce these people. The only thing I hope is that look, the the book isn't selling very well, and I wish it was selling more. Um, if it does go away, I hope that these characters stick around and end up proliferating throughout the universe and being, you know, um, done justice uh, by other writers and other creators. Because there are a few people here who I really want to see continue into into other places. Um, Steve, I don't know if you kept up your your current with the movie. Sadly, I've not read okay. it since issue two. All right, but you, in regards you left to just before, yeah. I know, but I, I I have them all though. Mm -hmm. I will catch up. But in regard to sales, I think it was at the time it was just very opportunistic of them. Yeah, to that whole you know that whole we are the one percent, we mm -hmm. are the ninety nine percent. That was the the catchphrase of the of the world, yep. or rather, you know, at least the United States. For a long, long couple of months, and they saw that as a way of, I guess, appealing to mm -hmm. that craze or movement rather, yeah. and it just it did not go over well. It didn't. It didn't yeah. paint a, a picture of a book that people wanted to read. Mm -hmm. Well, I think the book that really turned it around. For, I was in because I love Gail Simone's writing. Understood, there were some problems early on. It seemed you were in the middle of a story, and who were these people yeah. exactly? They got to issue four, mm -hmm. where everyone. And brilliantly, without it seeing like an information dump, we got everyone's backstory in little flashbacks as they each swirled into the, the next story. And it mm -hmm. really paid off all these characters backwards into you had to go reread the other ones. And yeah. oh, now I get why she did that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. 
Though it took another issue just to see Vengeance Moth do something else and hand out fruit roll-ups. Yeah. <laughs> she does that well. Yeah. I just want to um, give a shout-out here. Uh, Shane Donovan, there's a... Because you guys know if you're listening live, there's a question and answer feature on these Google Hangouts. And if you go to our Google Plus page, which if you go to talkingcomicbooks.com, you can see the link to it. Um, you'll you'll see our, our video up there. And there's a place you can ask questions live and they show up on our feed. Oh. And uh, Shane Donovan did that. And he said, I just got out of rehearsal and love that you guys are talking about sports. Hey. <laughs> <laughs> Um, Does he have a question? No, he asked. Yeah, he asked. Uh, however, Long what are time you, listener, first time caller. Yeah, what are you thinking about Marvel now? Is it going to be ending? Um, and I think we've talked about this. It it's sort of ending. Um, it's becoming all new Marvel now. Mm-hmm. But the books, a lot, most of the books, though it's confusing. And I think we should talk about this a little bit. Maybe as we get closer to the release dates of these first books, because if you look in previews this month, it's it's a little bit weird because you're seeing. You know, there's two versions of each book. There's the, like, let's say Avengers. You're getting Avengers, I think, 24 mm-hmm. point now. Um, but you're also getting Avengers number one mm-hmm. in all new Marvel now. And they're releasing, I believe, both versions of the book so that people coming in can be like, oh, I can pick this book up. It's a new number one. Mm-hmm. and it's But it's still keeping the 24 numbering. I don't know what's going to happen with issue 25. What? I don't know if they're going to keep releasing two versions of the book as they go along to maybe appease new collectors and old collectors at the same time. It's confusing. Confusing for retailers, too. I've heard from a couple who are, what do I do? Yeah. What, how many of each of these numbers do I order? And how does it affect people who want the runs or who want to start over? Yeah. Mm. Yeah. And it's also confusing because it's, some of the books are starting completely at number ones. Mm-hmm. Like Secret Avengers is going back to number one. Um, and I think a couple others are as well. So... There's a little bit of com- there's a, uh, some rightful confusion going on w- with those those things. So hopefully that gets kind of sorted out as we go along. Um, but I think the prelude to what we were talking about a couple of weeks ago, where I had heard some rumors they want to do volumes the way magazines do. Yeah, there'll oh. be 2014 issues one to twelve. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Yeah. So that way, let's say someone like you are like, oh, I want to read comics, but I, I can't even start with issue five. because that's, the- a, that's a real thing. Like, yeah. It's intimidating for a guy like me and probably mm. a lot of listeners mm. of uh, my, the Man Cave podcast, mm-hmm. for example. Um, for us, to, like, I'm always intrigued by comic books, but it's intimidating walking into a comic book store. Imagine walking into a room full of thousands of things you don't know anything about. <laughs> yeah. and you know, it's like being in a record store and never have heard music before and yeah. someone being like, uh, just grab one. And you're it's like, I don't know randomly, what to do. It's fine. <laughs> yeah, what is this? You know? Well, the numbers are intimidating. One of Steve's favorite books over the last few years is Journey into Mystery, mm-hmm. which was a Marvel horror comic in the 50s. Mm-hmm. They kept the same numbering. They were in the, what, 700s? 600. 678. I w- I w- how, how do you pick that up in the store and go, I would never. I'd like to, I'd like to start this. Can I buy the back issues? <laughs> Because we've talked about the Marvel mm. Now thing, and that is something I really should take advantage of. Because mm. for me to start a story at one is, is the way to get going here. Mm. Yeah. To the point that will build the interest in, you know, what happened before this? You know, and mm. I could pick characters I know from the movies, mm. and yeah. I should just do that. Some yeah. of the apps are really cool. Yeah. If you have an yeah. iPad, mm. the... Um, Comixology oh, is awesome. so cool. You yeah. just flip through. Yeah. I have a weird Jeff thing where I don't like touching paper that much. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> So Why well, he never learned to read? <laughs> That's all, I can't read. Don't touch paper. This is a tough or, or eat potatoes. <laughs> or eat potatoes, right? So when I had when I used the Comicsology app, I would just flip through it and be like, "This is really cool." I feel like I'm missing something, not having the piles of books in the corner of the room because I think that's neat. Mm-hmm. But it, it it's better than nothing. You it's know? about the stories ultimately. Yeah. Yeah. In this yeah. day and age, despite the fact that I've got a house full of crap <laughs> in, on shelves everywhere, that's the way you had to do it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. 
if I had to start over again, I think I would do something else. I'm so ingrained. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I always say if it wasn't for Rob, I would buy everything digitally. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because you have a connection. To yeah, the yeah, store, we know. Nice. Yeah, it's so it, it, he's awesome. He's great. We have a community kind of even in that store, so mm-hmm. it's part of the experience. But if it wasn't for Tour Comics and Rob, I would buy all my books digitally. Right. It wouldn't even matter to me. Right. Oh, and tell uh, Shane it was. Yeah, tell Shane if he has any sports questions, I'll be happy to help. Absolutely, yeah, Shane. <laughs> you can actually wait. tell him because he can hear you. Right Shane, now. if you have a sports question, <laughs> we're here all night. On my yeah. show, I have Bobby types the stuff to listeners because yeah. we'll, we'll answer one. <laughs> yeah, bring them on. Bring them on. <laughs> anyway. Anyway, to, back to Books to of the book Week. Book of the Week. Yeah. Yes. Uh, to no great surprise, I'm sure to everyone listening, my Book of the Week is Captain Marvel 17. <gasps> what? Which, yeah. It, now, we're a few months out from where this story really started, which mm-hmm. is Captain Marvel 14, the end of the Enemy Within mini, yeah. mini event within Captain Marvel and Avengers Assemble, where Carol... To save New York, sacrifices her memory, her personality, everything. Mm-hmm. We are now to, after the events of Infinity, she's back home, and I'm gonna. I, look, I wrote stuff down, and pardon me if it's gonna sound readery, mm-hmm. but I nearly lost it in the comic store. I knew I was in trouble when I opened the first page of this. And I'm gonna try to be spoilery here and try to keep try, away from do really not ruining, be spoilery. Yeah, I don't okay. want to give things away. I'm <laughs> yeah. losing it already. You open the first page to the splash. And you have this little thing that's obviously been written and drawn by Kit, the, mm-hmm. the little Lieutenant Marvel, little Lieutenant Trouble, Kit's to-do list. And on it is, check the library for books on amnesia. Maybe I'll find info to help fix Captain Marvel's memory. Mm-hmm. I'm standing in the comic store and I had to close it because I started getting sniffly. <laughs> it is just not what's supposed to be happening. But when I got home and read the book, it is such the, the, a great mixture of humor, drama, action, fun, you're looking at Carol's struggle to reclaim who she is through her friends. It is just spectacular. It is absolutely breathtaking, as I wrote here. The Captain Marvel experience, in essence, the, they give her the key to the city for saving everything. Mm-hmm. There's a moment that comes at this, and I'm not ruining for people, that is one of the greatest things I've ever read. <laughs> it's just amazing. And then when you finally do get to see the, the moments with Kit where... First, it's, it's with kids in the schoolyard where she's standing up for her friends, one of whom's dressed like Iron Man. Mm-hmm. The way the pages are laid out, it's the perfect use of the blank page, the ad page, where you see these kids doing what they're doing and then turn the page to something that is just a staggering bit of illustration that I am not going to ruin except to say you should watch it in this way. The finale in Carol's new apartment... Mm-hmm. Well, we'll we'll figure out where that is as you read this. (laughs) The moments there, and it's there are subtle things that Kelly Sue DeConnick does here, where it's it's a mother and daughter love thing, where Carol is trying to explain to this little girl an important piece of advice that turns around on her, simply just using the word sweetheart, Mm -hmm. which is not something you see in a comic book. The little girl does something, and she begins to stammer. Uh, uh, Kit, I. It's those little things that they catch my breath. I'm getting weepy sitting here. <laughs> is it an adorable little girl? Yes. I, oh, yeah, he would be an, weeping. I'm a, I'm a mess oh, with here, that. Here you go. Yeah, yeah. Here you go, here oh, you go Jeff. Can't. Have the book. Yes, you can. I'm supposed to. I'm trying what? to come off tough and manly. I'm going to get all scary. Let me just close with this. I, f- I found this to be just the perfect encapsulation of everything Kelly Sue DeConnick has done with this book through this. We took a, you took a, Carol, a character in Ms. Marvel, Carol Danvers, 
who had been created for the right reasons in, in the 70s to be a representation of female empowerment and role, and eventually they threw every trope they could at that character. It went, went awry, horribly so, uh, in, in Avengers where terrible things happened that we even mentioned that Chris Claremont had a fix. And she's restored everything to this character that it was, what it was meant to be. It's been an honor to be part of this audience. Mm-hmm. And if I'm getting rhapsodic here, tough. <laughs> <laughs> this was just a great comic book. Yeah. So this little girl is her sidekick. She, she likes she, to she think said, so. She she's, says that because she she's adorable. So. Yeah, yeah. Ridiculous. <laughs> You're not getting this one back, homeboy. <laughs> um. So it. I finished. This is the first book I read. Uh. This week, and when I closed it and put it down, it was hard for me to read anything else that mm. night. Uh. Because it was such on a now. It was such on a different level as emotionally than anything else. It was tough to pick up, let let's say Forever Evil number three, which I I by the way I loved uh, after I had read it, but it was tough to go from this, which was this, um, you know, almost impressionistic, uh, heartwarming, uh, use the word again, warm feeling to it. To back to the regular fisticuffs, mm-hmm. and, you know, comic book stuff, and there's plenty of fisticuffs here. Oh yeah, and it's and the thing about this book too is that it's very comic booky, for lack of a better word. There's a villain that crops up just in this issue who does some very over the top things, yeah. you know, for a seemingly regular person when when the issue begins with, with a very inapt name. Yeah, yeah, She's named Grace Valentine, yeah. and she is the least loving, graceful person <laughs> yeah, on the absolutely. planet. It's just brilliant. Um, where Carol ends up at the end, her new apartment is so pulpy and ridiculous yeah. in, in the best way, you know, in the yeah. best possible way. Well, Doc way. Savage used to live in the Empire State Building. It's, it's, something, it's like that, you know, yeah. so loved that stuff about it. And, and the funny thing was, it was like, I went to read this book and I was, ex- I, 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 I was pumped, you know, but I was like, you know, I know it's coming back. It, it had said it was being, they said, they, people thought it was canceled. They already announced it's not being canceled. It'll be, it'll be gone for a couple of months. Then it's back. So is this going to lose some of that feeling that initially I thought was going to be there? Like, this is the end, right? Uh, it didn't lose any emotion for me, knowing that there was stuff to come. In fact, I think it added to it in, in a lot of ways. Um, you know, for me still, there there are, for me, Philip, Philippe Andre's art is hit or miss for me. There are times in this book where I think it absolutely soars and and it, it it's perfect for exactly what we're going for. And the other times where it, it just doesn't connect with me. But uh, the story, the characters, what's going on, the emotional context of what's happening, it, it was fantastic. It will definitely be, when we get to the end of the year, probably on my list of best single issues of the year. I can't imagine it not being mm-hmm. there. Steve, wh- what did you think of Captain Marvel? Oh, well, <laughs> I, uh, I actually read it last mm-hmm. in my pile because I just I remember when we were at Comic-Con and people were being brought up on stage at the Women of Marvel panel and had the opportunity to read it. And everybody, pretty much, they read it, they walked away, and every person did the same exact thing. They pointed to their eye, and they drew an imaginary tear flowing down their face. (laughs) And so that set me off on all kinds of things. And then Kelly Sue kept on mentioning the character of Kit. So I, my brain's going crazy, and I'm like, no, like, she's she's not going to get rid of and like i just i started forming all of these things inside my head and i was like how the hell am i even gonna read this book Mm -hmm. i i want to read it so bad but at the same time i don't want to read it 
Um, even though I know that this isn't the end of Captain Marvel, in fact, I think it's just the beginning of Captain Marvel, uh, I've never had an ending of an ongoing comic book or a character from a comic book uh, hit me as hard as this issue did. Uh, now, a lot of that comes from recent experiences with having met Kelly Sue and talked to her for a while and being able to connect on a personal level, uh, connecting with the character, connecting with the art. Um, I know you said the art for you is touch and go. I absolutely adore Felipe Andre's mm-hmm. art like through and through. I just it brings me back to like my old animation days when I used to watch all kinds of anime mixed with like surrealistic art and and things like that and things I've seen in books and and whatnot. And there are two pages in particular in this very in this issue that I would love to have either as posters or t-shirts. Actually, you know what? Now that you're flipping through it, Bob, there's three. Yeah, there's three images uh that I would very yeah, that's the other one. And then the other one in the back with okay. the the sparkle fists. Um <laughs> Just a really powerful ending. It made me... Um, I'm getting sappy in my old age. It seems like it doesn't... I never cry. It's heartfelt. There's no... It's yeah, th- it is very heartfelt. I, I, For some reason, I'm like... A, I don't shed tears. I don't know if I'm a robot or what when it comes to crying. But um, it. I get this like sunken feeling in my chest. And my, my stomach turns a little bit. And it's a comic book character and it's still kind of amazing to me that even with doing this over the past uh, two years or whatever it's been that there are still characters and moments and comics that can do that to me. Mm. Um, and it kind of goes back to what Jeff was asking before about, you know, when is, when is the stuff going to run its course? So long as there are things like Captain Marvel around, there are other characters that, that you get and that you identify with, or even that you just love because of what they represent there will always be a place for comics and for comic characters and Mm -hmm. stuff like that. Um, And it's funny because when we were, I I forgot my books tonight, so I'm working off of memory, but when I was making a short list on my phone, um, instead of writing Captain Marvel on my phone, I just wrote Cap. Mm -hmm. And it dawned on me that since we've been doing this, I love Captain America, never read anything Captain America ever. Either he's been in a book that I've read or I haven't read him at all. I've never read a you know his own book. Um, that Captain Marvel, specifically Kelly Sue's Captain Marvel, Karen Danvers, that's my Karen Danvers. I'm you, Carol Stephanie. Danvers. Yeah. Carol Danvers. <laughs> she um, changed her name up in Canada. Yeah, so yeah, yeah. she's now Karen. But Bob, when Bob's talking about Steve Rogers' Captain America, he always refers to him as Cap. Mm-hmm. And I realized after putting this issue down that, you know, Kelly Sue DeConnick's Captain Marvel is my cap. Mm-hmm. And I just thought that that was really cool. Mm-hmm. And issue number, it took all the way till the end, the first end, mm-hmm. to, for it to really hit me like that. Yeah. Um, and I mean, I'll talk about other books too, but I mean, Captain Marvel was hands down my favorite book of this week as well. It's, uh, it's amazing too, taking the kind of meta context of the Carol core and what it's meant for this book, a book that, um, has been on the brink of cancellation for a very long time. And it has this group of such dedicated fans that have boosted it up and, and kept it afloat and how she brought that into the, the fiction, you know, of the book very much. So, and all these people standing up for, for Carol when she's at her lowest, I think is a, is a beautiful metaphor for the way the book has been, you know, going along these past couple of months. And 
from what we've seen in this this issue, and we, obviously we get the the first appearance of the new Miss Marvel here, um, and what we've seen all this press we talked about for Miss Marvel, uh, I think next year is going to be a gigantic year for this character and for this character's universe. Um, so yeah. this was a beautiful way to, to send this volume of Captain Marvel out, though. At the panel, uh, the Spider-Man panel yeah. at the end of New York Comic Con, Steve Wacker was saying, you're going to see the beginning of something that in five mm. years, this will be one of the biggest characters we have. Yeah. yeah. I hope it happens. Yeah, And Whether- here they really brought, like, I, lack of a better term, the Spider-Man-ness of the character to the forefront. You mm. know, this this huge cosmic character who, you know, can can punch stars, basically, <clears throat> is getting defended by people on the street throwing rocks. You know, that's... That's a Spider-Man thing, and I love how they brought that into the character. And her her line, laying there in a heap after being shot by Grace Valentine's mm. drones in Times Square, we have a good gang, yeah. is her line. Yeah. And, wow. A question for you. Yeah. Um, I, something I've noticed, and is why I'm kind of uh, hammering over Wonder Woman so much, is all these comic book movies here all over the place seem to have a, a, a vast emptiness as far as uh, a great female comic book character. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think they could really use one. I think mm-hmm. it would really push everything mm-hmm. forward as far as people on my level. Mm-hmm. Do you think Captain Marvel could be a, ca- a character they look to put a movie oh, around? Or? Marvel will definitely introduce her into one of these Avengers movies, maybe mm-hmm. even Guardians. There mm-hmm. have been rumors about Katie Sackhoff from Battlestar Galactica playing okay. this character. She said yes. Mm. The studio's talking to her, but then they're not, and then mm. she's not. So I, I think we're, we're again to, into the, the smoke screen has mm. begun. They want to keep this a surprise. She is exactly the sort of character that an audience is already enamored with, and people who don't know her would be once they saw her mm-hmm. on the big screen. Yeah, She is, at this point, we had a question once, Is there? does Marvel have a Wonder Woman? Yeah. Mm. I think we will look back 15 or 20 years from now and see that this character is their Wonder Woman. We'll say, does DC have a Captain Did, Marvel? Yes. <laughs> Boom. Boom. That, that wraps that segment up. It does. We don't have to Mike say anything past that. Yeah. Deuces. Yeah. Well, that's it for talking comedy. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and it took the guy from the man cave to go. Yeah. Um, we have someone who commented uh, here, uh, Hunter, uh, I'm going to say his name, uh, uh, Magahi, I'm sorry, Hunter. I'm saying your last name wrong. Um, he says you can let Man Cave podcast know I'm watching the LSU versus Alabama game while listening to this. Nice. I could use done. an updated score. Yeah. Well, roll, roll tide. Well, Rob, Rob Newmeyer, a oh. friend and uh, you know a dealer, dealer at Tor <laughs> Comics, uh, says so am I, Hunter. Seven three, tight game. He didn't say seven three who, so I don't <laughs> That's know. A big help. We let could us never know. know. Score, never know. score update. Um, College football is something I'm trying to expand my knowledge on. Because you don't watch enough sports. Because I don't watch enough sports, <laughs> and I, I really am trying to get my girlfriend to break up with me. Yeah. <laughs> oh, but you I should have... not break up with Mrs. Mankin. <laughs> no, yeah. no. I, I, it will be the other way around. Yeah, let's, let's be fair. <laughs> yeah, let's be fair. Um, all right, Steve, books of the week. All right. Well, we already got weepy about mm. uh, Captain Marvel, so let's move forward. Let me mm-hmm. see what I got at the old phone out here. Sorry. <laughs> All right, let's see. What did I... Um, I got to check out Drum Heller, number mm. one, from um, Riley Rosmo and Alex Link. And it was really cool. And Stephanie was right that it is one of those books that's completely up my alley. Uh, to try and describe it, I think she's going to do a better job than I would. Like, pow, boom, zap, wow. Yeah, it's... <laughs> meow, meow. Yeah. It's really out there. 
from what I can tell, it's about a guy who he'll pretty much he'll eat whatever comes by. He likes hallucinogenics, mm. and he he go the last thing that anybody recalls him doing he's got like a really checkered past both in his activities and his relationships around this seems to be this tight community with a lot of um like bizarre spiritual people they all have their different spiritualities they all follow their own you know their own drums so to speak and this guy is kind of like the known nuisance around town and the last that anybody saw of him was he ate a bunch of peyote and when he came back, he had an imaginary friend that no one believes uh, exists, and it, it happens to be like a uh, like a cat made of smoke that hangs out in his backpack and talks to him. Of course, of course. Um, if anybody's familiar with Riley Rosmo's art, it is uh, very, very, very colorful and just a lot of fun. Uh, really sketchy. The colors are super, super, super vibrant and. There's lots of um, like metaphysical shifting going on, uh, souls and, and body energies leaving one another, and it's just a really, really bizarre tale. I have no idea where it's going to go, mm-hmm. and I actually tried to uh, get a little bit out of Riley Rosmo, and I don't think he even knows where it's mm-hmm. going to go. So he's currently working on issue three. That's, what he's, that's when he says that things will really start to take shape and people will get you know, a better idea as to what it'll all be about. I mean, stuff that I've read of his in the past kind of has that slow burn effect to them that he likes to create atmosphere and he likes to create personality within his characters before he truly lets you know what's going on. Mm. So if anybody wants to check out, it's just, it's a weird book. Pick it up in the stores, thumb through it a little bit if you want to. Like I said, I'm a huge fan of the artwork. Uh, it's Drum Heller, number one from Image, uh, Riley Rosmo, and Alex Link. Uh, let's see. We're going to be talking about uh, Thor later on, so maybe I'll end with Thor and the Mighty Avengers. So I will talk about uh, Alex and Ada, number one, from Jonathan Luna and Sarah Vaughn. Luna Boy. Luna Boy. Yeah, it's my new, my new nickname, As apparently. As Rep Stones really? calls you on yes, Twitter. Yeah. Our friends. Yeah, the Luna Brothers are this, uh, this writing and art team that Steve li- li- is obsessed with. I the melt books. for them, yeah. Jeff. So we have are, a listener who calls him Luna Boy. Are, are these yeah. the guys you keep putting pictures on Facebook you hanging out with, or are those the other guys? No, no that's no, 44 no, Flood. That's 44 Flood. <laughs> yeah. No, um, the Lunar Brothers are, well, the Lunar Brothers themselves are the authors and artists of a series called Girls. Uh, There's The Sword, there's Ultra, and they also did a Spider-Woman run, I believe, with Brian Michael Bendis. Or did they write it? Something? They did the art. They did the art. Yeah, yeah, for the Spider-Woman. Was uh, it Bendis that wrote on that? Yeah, no, Spider-Woman Origins. They did the art, right? Yeah. 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 So... (laughs) And Brian Michael Bennis was the writer, yes. Okay, yeah. great. All right, so I was right. Yeah, yeah. So uh, so now Jonathan Luna is off doing his own thing, and he has Sarah Vaughn uh, on writing with him. And uh, what they've done is they've crafted this tale that... It, it's funny that I didn't know anything about this book, but just from the cover, I was able to surmise what it would be about, and I turned out to be exactly right. Mm. Uh which is not a bad thing. <laughs> I I had to write the review for, for Talking Comics, and after I'd written my review, not before, I had gone around and kind of looked around to see what other people thought of the book, because it's not one of those easy number ones that'll be for everybody. And I saw a lot of people that were kind of, not complaining, but just making criticisms of that 
the book seems like it's starting off very slowly, mm-hmm. that not a whole lot happened. Um, and my, my advice or my, my thing, not that I'm an, an expert or anything, but for me, it really, really set the story up because they seem to be taking their time in crafting the world that this story resides in. And to me, that's just as good out of a first issue than if you propel the story forward and just dump a bunch of things on me all at once. Mm-hmm. Uh, the story is pretty much about this guy, Alex, who had had a bad breakup. It's been about seven months since him and this girl, Claire, uh, had called it quits. We don't know why. We don't know what happened yet. But he's been really, really depressed and has been kind of just floating through, you know, day in and day out. He goes out and he has fun with his friends, but he seems like he's a thousand miles away. So uh, as it turns out, we enter the story and it's his birthday. He gets a phone call from his grandmother who happens to be one of those like, like super hip with it, you know, is really into learning the newest technology. And she also happens to be loaded. Uh, It's like, it's like Oma, right? (laughs) Yeah. So she has a lot of money. And what she also has is a live in home companion, which uh, is an Android. I need one of those. (laughs) that more or less serves as her her Mm. caregiver her boyfriend her you know her companion they she ordered this machine the machine showed up to her house the machines themselves they actually learn from your um that you teach them you play games with them you discuss things with them and they pretty much cater their programming caters to your likes and dislikes and they wind up being the ultimate companion um so it makes it very easy for people who are lonely to fall in love with them. So the grandmother, you know, notices that her, her grandson is down in the dumps and that he doesn't seem to be coming out of it anytime soon. She decides to go ahead and order him one of these companions to his home. <clears throat> he comes home, he finds her, and he basically, he says hello, and we're introduced, you know, to the, the rest of the story is to come. Um, like I said, it's a book that, provides a lot of information as to where you are in time. It takes time. Uh, it takes place in the future. Everything is run kind of through uh, thought. A lot of people have had this uh, chip inserted into their brains. They can start their car just by thinking about it. They can have whole conversations telepathically with one another. And it's a completely like total recall. Um, I don't know. I robot kind of situation and for me, it really, really pulled me in because I've, I've seen that world before and I liked the pristine nature of it. Some people say that the art um, from the Lunar Brothers in general isn't always very exciting. And to that, I say it's more about the characters and about the story than about the art. So if you could look past it and, and I mean, I enjoy it, but you'll find a, a really deep and rich story if you if you stick it out. Apparently, the book is going to be right now is planned for 13 to 14 issues uh okay. depending on how it sells and and what kind of story develops through you know uh fan feedback and stuff like that uh i highly highly recommend it i've never read anything uh, from either of the lunar brothers that i didn't end up loving in the end through and through uh they've never let me down they're my favorite writers uh ind- independent writers in the comic book industry and it looks like it's going to be quite uh, heartfelt and perhaps there'll be some danger in there. Uh, and just an, an exploration of, 
humans and their capacity to love and their capacity to love things that aren't even real. Like, can you fall in so- fall in love with something that technically isn't even alive? Mm-hmm. And it asks you that question. And it posed a lot of questions for me personally that when I put it down, I was asking myself, I was making food or whatever, and I was going through a series of all these different thoughts. And I love books that make me think. And Alex and Ada is one of those books that when you put it down, you'll end up asking yourself a lot of personal questions. Um, and it also, for fans of, Bob can help me out with this, mm-hmm. it was it might have been The Twilight Zone or it might have been one of those other shows. Twilight Zone, The Lonely? Yeah. The Jack Warden. Yeah, The Lonely, where a, uh, yeah, I know, I know. You didn't have to tell him. You didn't even, you just... <laughs> it's a, it's, it's, it's a, a twi- It's a guy, he's on a, uh, an asteroid. He's, he's a prisoner. He's alone. And the fellow who comes with his supplies and brings him books and they play chess or whatever, he, this one day he comes with a big crate. Mm-hmm. And in the crate is a, a, an android woman. See, I think just for you getting to that position based on what Steve said, I think you have one of those chips in your brain. <laughs> <laughs> like you're in on the whole thing. I'm going to give away my secret, do you? <laughs> But the the couple they're they're on this android and they spend a number of years together and the android does the same thing where it learns from this prisoner and they're up there together for a long time and he winds up loving and caring for this person and pretty much forgetting that she isn't real and it becomes it becomes real for him and you know the the episode ends with the it's Rod Serling. <laughs> Can I not spoil this? No, no, you're fifty-five year old right. television. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Go ahead, the, go the, ahead. The people the that bring him the supplies that brought him the android, they show up one day and they basically tell him that the program is over. Well, he's no, he's paroled. Oh, he's paroled. He's paroled. You can go home. You can Great, go home. Except <laughs> there's a weight limit on the ship coming back. He has, he has to go we, by himself. Yeah, oh, we have no room. We have no room for your companion. He throws a fit, and in the midst of him losing it, uh, to sh- to remind him that she wasn't real, one of the officers shoots the the woman in the face, blows her face off, and it's revealed that she is in fact just a robot, and basically crushes the guy's soul right before they bring him back. You to just Earth. crushed mine telling this. <laughs> I'm feeling a little crushed myself. But I'm saying it's a like, great episode. That's amazing that this yeah. is what you're feeling. Right. Well, that's from. the thing. I uh, again, Alex and Ada, number one, uh, Jonathan Luna and Sarah Vaughn. I strongly, strongly urge you to pick it up. It's going to be one of those books that's very difficult to follow because the release schedule, even though it is in previews and it is scheduled. We don't know that it'll always be on time. Mm-hmm. Perhaps you want to wait till a trade, but if you can find it, pick it up, see if it's for you, and you know, just look at it this way: you won't have to spend a bunch of money on it every month. Mm-hmm. You know, you can pick it up as it goes. Yeah. Um. I like I said, I you know, for people that value our opinions on mm-hmm. the show, I love these guys. Uh, and now this woman who's also on board with this, check it out. Yeah, it's it's cool. Sarah Vaughan, who isn't the jazz singer who was sang with Dizzy Gillespie, no, right? No, no, right. no. Okay, good. I don't, probably not. I haven't checked those facts, but I'm going to guess probably not. <laughs> if not, then I'm um, out. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> just so you know, Steve, uh, yeah. Cody Hinkle commented on, 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 our, uh, oh. on our live stream, and he said about reading Captain America, he said, yeah. read Brubaker's Run. Okay. That's what he said. And then Rob said, Brubaker's Run was insane. <laughs> that book was on the top of my poll list every week it came out. Um, Does Rob sound like Aziz Ansari? Yeah, no, no, no. <laughs> not at all. 
Rob also wants you to know that it's ten seven Bama right now. Okay. okay. All right. And you should read the Brewbreaker run before Winter Soldier comes yeah, out. Yeah. And Hunter's last name was McGoy. I said oh, he said I was close, but I was oh, not okay. right. Yeah, I guess, yeah. Um and Rob also said that if um Bob had a living android, they would be raking leaves twenty four seven. <laughs> yeah, I could use one right now. We've got about eight more bags of leaves on the lawn, and now they're all wet and icky. And it's a bad time to be moving leaves. Slugs. <laughs> Slugs. Update. Update. Seventeen seven Bama. See, this is what's going to happen in this game. LSU is a is a tough team, but they just Alabama is some of the most elite talent in the country, and that gap is going to grow. Mm-hmm. And there's going to be moments where LSU fans are going to be like, "Hey, here we are," and then Bama's going to stomp on their necks <laughs> like a scene in American History X, <laughs> and this game is going it's to end. Over. Mm-hmm. All right, Steve, close us out with your book of the week. Uh, well, my book of the week was Captain Marvel. But right. uh, just really quick, we've mentioned it a few times on the podcast in the past couple of weeks. Uh, we talked about a book called Thor and the Mighty Avengers. Mm. This is a collection that uh, Mr. Rob had tossed my way uh, one day at the comic shop. I read it and I loved it. Uh, it is written by Roger Landridge uh, with art by Chris Samney throughout. Oh, a Rocketeer team. Yeah. It is, like, balls out awesome. <laughs> it is awesome. And above all things, I mean, it's a couple of issues, a couple of short stories of Thor, pretty much his first encounters with other heroes, mm. Iron Man, Captain America, so on and so forth. But uh, what I really, really took away from it and what I absolutely loved about it and what I loved about it in conjunction with the Thor movie is this is very Jane Foster heavy, mm-hmm. this book, uh, or this run, or whatever the hell this is. And I got to know more of her personality and who she's, what she's supposed to be about. All I had to go on so far has been the first Thor film, and even though I thought she was good, she wasn't my favorite part about that movie. Mm-hmm. Um, this book, for me, made me much more aware of her character and what she's about and kind of the way that she reacts to things. And then reading this and going into Thor 2 and seeing her performance in that, like it made sense and it matched up mm-hmm. and it really put it into perspective for me. And it made me really, really enjoy her character far more uh, this time out with The Dark World. Awesome. So, yeah, I mean, it's collected... It's seven ninety nine, worth every dollar. It's fantastic. Cool, awesome, awesome stuff. Um, so we'll do my books of the week, and then we'll head off to Jeff for some some sports talk. Right? I can't. It's gonna be great. <laughs> I'm sure. Uh, so first off, uh, Forever Evil number three. I mentioned a little bit before. Um, what I, what I've been really liking about this series is that we, I believe, it's I think it's seven issues. It really is building very much like a. a, a Story structure has been very good. You know, it's it's building piece after piece. This issue doesn't feel like a filler. We get uh, the story of these. So people who who haven't been reading or maybe are interested in what it is, obviously the Justice League is gone right now, and this evil crime syndicate has showed up in in Earth, this Earth. They're the evil Justice. They're League. the evil yeah. Justice League. Uh, they have you know facsimiles for each: uh, Superman, Batman, Wonder Woman. They all have evil counterparts. Superwoman, Ultraman. I, yeah. think, I, yeah. I think I've played this video game. <laughs> it's sort of like Injustice, except <laughs> okay. yeah, ex- yeah. Uh, and uh, so they're gone, and we've left for this world where the villains have basically taken over. And we continue to explore here the fact that some villains really aren't as bad as other villains, right? Most of them are. 
a big chunk of them don't want to see the world burn. They just kind of want to be in control of the world. So when someone comes around and says, I'm going to destroy the earth, or, okay, now I'm going to rule it, they don't like them any better than the people who were there before. Whether they call themselves villains or heroes, they don't want anybody telling them what to do. So Lex Luthor is obviously chief among these people, and Black Manta is part of this. And here we see kind of this team of villains coming together to take on the crime syndicate. Uh, once again, great Lex Luthor stuff. Uh, the stuff we're getting now with a few of the returned members of the Justice League, the few that are, are, are still around, very good. We find out what happened to the Justice League. Oh, really? Uh, where they went. Yeah. Word. Yeah, so things are moving forward. This is not a, a series treading water. Um, and we get some good humor stuff with uh, Lex Luthor and uh, Bizarro. Nice. Uh, this new 52 version of Bizarro. So definitely a recommended read for everybody. Um I also, uh, I picked up, um, let me get the issue number, there we go, uh, Earth 2 number 17, because uh, we changed over uh, creative teams. Yeah, how was that? Uh, I, Tom I, Taylor, I hesitated. who wrote Injustice Gods Among Us, um, is now writing this, and I thought it was great, you, you know, uh, it, blame me, if, you, if anybody knows the story of Injustice, I mean, this is not a light, you know, skippy book, <laughs> but... Um, I feel I felt automatically more of a connection with these characters than I had felt reading the first four or five issues of the first run uh, of this book. Um, the art is still obviously gorgeous because it's Nicholas Scott. Um, yeah, I really liked it. I think anybody who likes Injustice especially will like it. See, I love her art, but the story was so bad early on. That we <laughs> yeah, all, we, all, we all went off it. And yeah. I, I'm oh, a big yeah. fan of the whole alternate <clears throat> worlds thing, yeah. and we just... Uh, ugh. Yeah. Like I, you want to take a look at it? Sure, take, take a look at it. Um, I, you know, the Jay Garrick stuff, still a young guy, but I, in just in this one issue, I felt more of a connection with that character okay. than I felt in the other ones, you know. And that's the stuff I was really looking for. I knew I was gonna be a little confused. I knew I wasn't gonna quite know what was going on, and I knew I was gonna be like, why is there's a Superman? Superman uh, in the first issue of Earth Two, which is, this is not a spoiler. Superman, Batman, Wonder Woman in Earth Two die. Mm-hmm. There's a. a, a Dark, Dark Side has invaded and basically is wiping out their world and they die protecting the world. And Superman has returned here, but he's, I don't know what's going on exactly, but he's possessed by Dark Side or he's been resurrected by Dark Side. So he's evil Superman basically because mm. of this. He's red. He's red. He's, he's red. He's and very doesn't red. Look, doesn't look happy. No, and he's raging. And basically it's like the world is crumbling because how can you stand up to Superman if he decides to be a bad guy? And his cousin's not there. So yeah. He's over on our earth. Exactly. Yeah. So you can't do it. So it, this is really this kind of story where it's these members of, I guess, the JSA or whatever they're calling them here. I don't even think I have a name yet. Yeah, I don't think so. Um, backed into a corner. It's like, what, what are we going to do? You know, we have to, we can't run. We have to try to fight and, and, and them on their last legs trying to fight back. Um, and they're not being very successful here. So it's very much that sort of issue. And we, we don't get a lot of resolution. Uh, and my one criticism is the issue does feel very quick. Maybe it's because it was good and I was reading it very fast, sure. but it does feel very quick. Uh, I just finished it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, and, uh, We've got the new Batman, which I don't know what what the deal is with him yet. You know, he he seems a little bit evil to me, but I don't. I, I think it's more of that. Uh, the people who are looking at him think he's bad because he's doing early Batman stuff, and they don't know how to deal with him. So I don't know yet. But this made me want to pick up another issue of it and, and check it out. Mm. So I, I think that's all you can ask for when you change teams like this. Um, so very very good, but. Uh, 
my book of the week, other than Captain Marvel, mm-hmm. uh, is Amazing X-Men number one. Yeah. Um, Jason Aaron and Ed McGuinness. Uh, and obviously by the cover on this book, this heralds the return of Nightcrawler. Now, I was confused, A, before the book came out, and B, a little bit while I was reading the book, about where exactly this book fits in to current continuity and what's happening here. Got me. You know, um, <laughs> and I'm reading all of the X-Men yeah. books. And I think Joey Bracino, who reviewed it, reviewed it for us on the site, he said something you know, very prescient about it, which was, um, you, it, it seems like possibly this could have been a arc within Wolverine and the X-Men. Mm-hmm. Uh, that being said, uh, I loved it. I, I thought that the art by Ed McGuinness is gorgeous. I thought it had a real sense of fun and adventure to it. Uh, I loved the stuff with Nightcrawler. I loved the reactions and the and the way that they get into the place where Nightcrawler is. And it seems like they're earning it in a very specific way here, getting him back into into the into the regular continuity. Um, I will say this: I liked the first half of the book more than I liked the second half of the book. But I think that I was basically I picked this book being like, I'll get this issue so I can talk about it on the podcast. I'm probably not going to buy it anymore because I can't add another X book to my my huge pile of them already. But after reading this, I kind of want to keep buying it. I don't know, Bob, you're a big Nightcrawler fan. Yeah, love Nightcrawler from both X-Men and then Excalibur. And I thought this was an okay start. Mm-hmm. I feel as you do that I thought there was a sort of a tonal shift halfway mm-hmm. through where it wasn't as much fun. Mm-hmm. Lots of really good stuff with Nightcrawler. You do have the whole idea of him being a, a man of God, or at least of great faith, mm. and the fact that here's this fellow wandering around in what may or may not be heaven, mm-hmm. but all he wants to do is go home. Yeah. It's, yeah. Ju- it's just it's really sad and poignant, but it's still told in a fun way, as he ends up with sword play, as you can see from the cover. Well, no, they can't. Yeah. <laughs> we were mentioning that. Loved Firestar being brought in yes. as, as a teacher, which I, I thought was really, that. really yeah. great. As yeah. we're, we're playing with, does this happen every day? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, this is hey, the light day. Yeah. <laughs> Loved seeing Warbird, who I don't know too much about in this incarnation. She's so sassy. amazing. Very yeah. yeah. sassy. Her. I love her so much. <laughs> My one real complaint is not about this book per se, mm. in that in the old days, certainly in Excalibur, Kitty and Nightcrawler together... Mm-hmm. Or without them being a couple, they were one of comics' best pairs, and that that's not going to happen here. I, there's, there's a little bit of a heart missing to mm-hmm. me. I'll go forward. I will buy another issue to see where we begin. Yeah, what do you think about it, Steve? Oh, I loved it. Mm-hmm. I absolutely loved it. I loved the art. I thought the art was really fun. Uh, it flowed really well. The character models uh, and designs were great. Uh, I. It's funny. I was enjoying the Nightcrawler stuff, but I was too busy laughing throughout the issue, particularly. I said it before. I'll say it again. The Warbird stuff mm. with between her and Iceman and just her interactions with characters in general. Uh, she cracks me up. And what I'm really excited about is, I mean, have are you caught up with Wolverine and the X-Men? No. Well, I've read the Battle of the Atoms stuff, but I haven't been reading the book in general. Okay. Yeah. Um, this follows the tone of Wolverine and the X-Men to a T. Like it's, it's as if it's the same book and it's just like a side story within the Wolverine and the X-Men universe or continuity or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, like I said, the Nightcrawler stuff was really fun. I'm not all too familiar with him, so I'm not 
super invested in him coming back. Like it's just it's just like a, a character's mm. coming back. It's not like it's like mm. oh my god, mm-hmm. Nightcrawler, and I'm like mm. you know got fever dreams over it or anything. <laughs> before I've said this before, we, when we were doing the Wolverine show, mm-hmm. back when it was Claremont and, and Cockrum and, and then Byrne on the original Uncanny X Men, it was Nightcrawler's book. Mm-hmm. The Wolverine thing happened after a while during the original Hellfire story where he became the badass Wolverine you kind of know when people leapt to that character. But he was a sidebar character. Mm. It was sort of Nightcrawler's book. He was a really interesting character. Dave Cockrum created him initially to be in the Legion of Superheroes when he was over at DC and took him with him. Mm. Never never showed it to them and just brought it over here. Just a tortured character in the sense that he looks like this. The real definition of an outsider. Yeah. And eventually they provided him with ways that he could alter his appearance, mm-hmm. right. devices we could walk around in public. He had girlfriends and dates and became the Errol Flynn character that you see here. He yeah. really loved that stuff. Mm-hmm. There was always a great sense of fun. But as with all the best Marvel characters, at their heart, there was that otherness. Mm-hmm. The, well, I'm yeah. on the outside looking into this, and that always gives you a lot of depth. Yeah. Right. Well, it's like, I mean, with, with saying... Um, that I, I'm not losing myself over it. I, I'm liking him a lot mm. just from this first issue. I like the idea of like the, the poignant thought process that he has. I, love, I like where he is and the fact that apparently he's in heaven or a heaven-like mm. you know, plane of existence and that he's sitting on the outskirts of it and he's away from apparently all he has to do is turn around and walk through the the tree line Mm -hmm. and beyond that there's parties and there's Mm -hmm. drinks and there's girls and there's Mark Wahlberg or who was in in the village I forget you know it's like it's like the great Gatsby (laughs) of of heaven oh there you go you know and he (laughs) just wants to he wants another chapter of his Mm -hmm. life he wants another story he feels like he has more more good to do back on heaven than he ever would in heaven and he mm. wants to go back and i from a character standpoint i really like that coming mm. from yeah. you know from a main character and yeah. for somebody that i don't know if that's just a part of who he is i have a feeling that i'm really gonna like him yeah um i'm glad that jason aaron is on this book because he he seems to be able to balance that like fun with funny and with heartfelt all within the same issue mm-hmm. and if you can and even the like they were all separated too like those moments it was really well timed and uh i just i really i'm excited for the next issue is it this is gonna be a monthly yeah, yeah. so yeah i mean to add another x title you know it's it's grown inducing but yeah. if it's gonna be really good yeah and i also one more thing before i forget uh firestar is her name mm-hmm. yeah I really, really liked that she was kind of our our ushering into this yeah. because how you're saying where like you really didn't know where we're coming from in this story or when it happens and such. She kind of doesn't know what the hell is going on either. Yeah. And I felt like that was us. Yeah. Oh, yes. We've been just so X-Men intensive, obviously, in the last, you know, 10 weeks or something, all the Battle of the Atom stuff, for this to launch the week after and we're not dealing with Fallout even though we're in that, in that place. It, it's just, it's a little bit murky. Um, I get the sense that she's coming there to replace Kitty. That's the sense yeah. that I get, that she's mm-hmm. replacing Kitty as a teacher there, uh, if not in the exact position in kind of uh, ceremoniously, you know. Uh, but what I did love is I love, you know, he's sitting in heaven, he's sitting on this edge, and it's beautiful. The art is gorgeous. Ed McGinnis 
it's traditional but modern. It's 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 the perfect, I think, kind of and great look. colors too. It's Marte oh, Gracia. Yeah, the yeah. colors are are gorgeous. Uh, I I love the glee that he has when the bad guys show up. Yeah. He, he's so happy that there are bad guys there to, do, yeah. to fight, you know. And he's and you brought me swords, you know. And he's so excited. Let's about Let's hope it. I remember how to use them. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> Jeff just scrolled to the book. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, I loved it. And Nightcrawler is a character that I think is wonderful, and it's fun to have him back. Um, and I love the moment that we have it, you know, when Wolverine overhears that line and the kind of the look on his face, you know, the look of almost like desperate hope that it's the who they're talking. The, the blue yeah. elf, yeah. Because that's what he calls him. Yeah. So, um, how about the beast looking for his coffee machine? Yeah, also great. <laughs> he, you know the, the bamps. Yeah, the bamps. Yeah, these those little creatures. I love that it's the last straw for him is that they took his coffee machine. <laughs> Who he named Eloise or yeah, whatever it is. Yeah. <laughs> Eloise, come back, my baby. <clears throat> um. So awesome. So that's gonna uh, do it for the book of the week segment. Now, Mr. Schaefer is here. And he's going to impart some of his special knowledge on us. Jeff, give us some of the, 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 the games, the sports games. <laughs> well, this is an odd time to be having this conversation. It's Saturday night, okay? Mm-hmm. And at the Man Cave podcast and on Twitter, at Man Cave, the biggest thing we talk about, of course, is NFL football, especially this time of year. Uh, it's just huge and it's ridiculous. The, the, the fandom is crazy. Uh, it's like, you know, bigger than Iron Man. <laughs> wow. And you watch yourself. Yeah, I know. I know. I know. <laughs> so this year has been particularly fun as a fan because as soon as you think you have one thing figured out, everything kind of gets turned upside down. Uh, you take the New York Jets. They'll play somebody, get embarrassed one week, and then next next week go kick the New Orleans Saints' ass. <laughs> you know, and that's, Win one, lose one. Yeah, that's the Jets, and that's kind of how the NFL's been. And, and I was sitting down last Monday night. I'm a huge Chicago Bears fan, okay? And Mrs. Mancave, as I call her, comes sits down. And she goes, are the Bears going to win tonight? And I said, you know what? I said, this is the first time in a long time I've watched a Bears game. And I know for a fact they don't have a chance. And they can't win. You know? I said that. She goes, well, I watch. And I'm like, I don't know. You still have to watch. You still have to root for your team. And what happened? Aaron Rodgers goes down and the Bears win. So that's what makes the NFL great, especially this season. Uh, going into week 10, there's a couple games that caught my attention that I really would, uh, if this was the Man Cave podcast, I'd focus on a lot. And I just want to share those with you guys. And when the show comes out next week, I said use guys. Go ahead. I'm going to share with you guys. I've had a few few Sam Adams Oktoberfest. (laughs) (laughs) Listen to the comic book talk. Um, By the time this show comes out for us on the Man Cave, it will be Tuesday already. So you can kind of just let me know if I was wrong or an idiot or I had Mm. nothing to get excited about. But (laughs) the first game that got my attention is Carolina at San Francisco. I would have said that. That's a really exciting game for NFL fans. Of it's a put up or shut up type moment for both these teams. San Francisco's had this reputation going into the season and for most of the year of being one of the best teams in the NFL. But really, there's been some cracks in that theory and how they've played. Colin Kaepernick at week one, I thought he was going to be MVP of the yeah. year. But since then, he's only thrown for 200 yards twice. Or once, I'm wow. sorry, going into this week. So they've kind of reverted back into that smash mouth San Francisco 49ers. And at run, the Frank Gore. And Frank Gore, go. Kendall, you know, everybody there. Here's the ball, four yards on a cloud of dust. Go ahead and stop us. Now, this game is interesting because Carolina is the team this year that can stop that. Mm-hmm. They're so good on defense. They traded John Beeson for a, a bag of footballs mm-hmm. <laughs> to the New yeah. York Giants. And they've and won how many in a row now? Three, four in a row? They're five and three. I think they've won four in a row. Yeah. Mm. And Cam Newton is finally playing 
Cam Newton's had a really up and down career, and and honestly, most of it's been up. But before RG three, before Colin Kaepernick, Cam Newton was this new evolution of quarterback mm-hmm. who can run, who could pass, who could do everything that you would want in this hybrid quarterback. The big difference between Cam Newton and RG three is RG three is about two hundred and ten pounds. Cam Newton is about two hundred and forty five. Yeah. He's six foot four. He's built like Ray Lewis. But he's one of the fastest guys in the field, and he throws the ball like throwing a dart. And, and he is an impressive athlete who is now performing like a top overall pick. But this is the game where if you're Carolina and you want to start showing people in the NFL that you're for real, that you deserve that wild card in the NFC because you're not going to catch the Saints because they're on yeah. fire. But if you deserve that, go ahead and beat San Francisco. Yeah. Now, it's in San Francisco, which is tough. But unless Colin Kaepernick has an MVP-type game, Carolina can go in and take this game because it it is that high-flying offense that it takes to beat Carolina right now. And I would love to see Carolina win this game. I wish this game was in Carolina so they had a better chance. Um, Colin Kaepernick and and Cam Newton were in the same draft together. They shared time in the combine together. They're supposedly friends, whatever. They're players that get compared to each other. It's a great NFL matchup. I'm excited to see how it turns out. I'm rooting for Carolina. I think they can win. They're five-and-a-half-point underdogs. I think that's way too much. I'd love to see them pull out this game. Uh, I'd like to think so. <laughs> I, not that I'm against the 49ers, but enough of them already. You want to see somebody <laughs> else make some hay, but Carolina's wins have been against mediocre right. teams yep. moving in here. So this is going to be... You, you beat who's on your schedule, obviously, is the old cliche. So and they've do, done yeah. that and done what they had to do. This is the step up. This right. the, the, do you think the confidence they may have gained winning these four in a row? That combined with, I think it means so much more to Carolina than it does San Francisco. Okay. We've had Sean Salisbury on the hmm. Man Cave podcast. And he says very, very cavalierly, listen, all these athletes, athletes are very, very similar. The great ones have the ability to get themselves up week after week after week to perform better than a guy who also was an All-American, who also was you know, the most elite player in his town. Mm-hmm. But it takes that, that fortitude inside to beat them week in and week out. And I think Carolina has that right now, combined with the confidence of the last few weeks and this push that, go ahead, Carolina, now is your time. You've been down in the dumps for years and years and years, and all of you need to prove something. Where San Francisco, maybe they don't have that fire right now because it's just assumed they're going to be in the in the Super Bowl sure. again, you know. So it could be a fun game to watch. I'm rooting for Carolina. I think they could squeak one out. Is it going to be on TV here in New York? I'm not sure. I don't know how that works. Giants I don't know. are home at one. This is a four o'clock game, so maybe we so never get the four no, o'clock. No, we don't get the four o'clock game if the Giants oh, are see, home. If it's a non-blackout game, yeah, well, see, we won't get it. I have the uh, package, package on my oh. iPad. I watch all the games on my mm-hmm. iPad. So, <laughs> the other exciting game this week is a little bit of a homer, but I think it's it's valid, and that's Detroit versus Chicago in Chicago. Um, the NFC North, there's three teams at the top tied at five and three. Of course, there's been major shakeups with injury. Jay Cutler yep. is coming back this week. Yeah, <laughs> I'm excited about that. Although uh, Josh McNown played great last week against Green Bay. Green Bay obviously suffered the biggest injury in sports. Uh, Aaron Rodgers could miss up to six weeks, and that's almost the season. That leaves you two weeks yeah. left. Um, and Seneca Wallace looks so bad. Seneca looked good. <laughs> Seneca Wallace had moments. He's like nine and sixteen as a starter in the NFL over his tenure. I, I was going to say, how many years has he played for, for those twenty-five games? <laughs> right. Um, they brought him in there after training camp because he's familiar with Mike Holmgren's offense. A West oh, Coast guy. Good plan. And so this was the best option they had. But 
I don't think Seneca Wallace ever had any intentions of playing football this year. Mm. You know, just sit there, collect a paycheck for as many more years as you can, and, and go pack go. You know, but there he was, and he looked awful. Now, the Packers running game looks very good with Eddie Lacy. So that gives them something. But this is playing in the Philadelphia Eagles this week is a bad first matchup to have. Yeah. Philadelphia put up 51 points last week, 52 points last mm-hmm. week against Oakland, who really, Oakland has a better defense than Green Bay. Um, it, it's hard to compare against who you've played this point in the season, but I think this is an upset. Right now, um, the Eagles are a one-point favorite, which tells you something in itself. The home team, when you look at those NFL sporting lines, the home team starts off with a three-point advantage. Sure. So if an away team, they're already down three. So if they think Eagles are a one-point favorite, they think they're a much better team. So I think the Eagles win by at least a touchdown. I can see ten points. That's I've kind of d- drifted into that that's a little right. bit, but that's yeah. my upset of the week. I think the Eagles could do it, which makes the Bears-Lions game that much more important. because yeah, they, now that's the first place for that right. division. And one it, of those teams need to take advantage of these four to six weeks of Aaron Rodgers being out, mm-hmm. and you need to win three games. So you can they're both five and three. If you get that eighth, ninth win and the Packers are trying to catch up to you, I think those this is the time to win the division right now. Last mm-hmm. game of the season for the Bears is against the Packers in Soldier Field. I hope it means nothing. But this week against the Lions, it's a huge, huge game for both of these teams. I think the Bears win, which is a big homer pick, and I don't care. Yeah. I have to root for it. But I like what they're doing offensively. Defensively, they're going to struggle. Which is bad against Detroit with Megatron out there. Luckily, I think Detroit's going to try to run the ball like crazy because the Bears <laughs> really? have been so terrible about it. Uh, Where the, Charles Tillman has a nice career against Calvin Johnson. Better than most, okay. I'll say. Okay, um, He's a pro Bowl cornerback. He can slow down Calvin Johnson. No one can shut him out. But what the Bears can't stop is Reggie Bush. And I think the Lions are going to focus on that and be successful, but take away. If the Lions just put the gas down, they could put up 40 points in the Bears, just like they did in week two or whatever it was. But I think it's a different game. Home field, Bears win by three in a great game. It was really funny to see Steve's reaction when when Bob said, you have Megatron out there. (laughs) Not that Megatron. I'm back. You have a Decepticon playing for you? It's not fair. I would like to say I think having a Decepticon isn't really fair. (laughs) No Decepticons allowed on this field. Um, but Jeff, thank you very much for no that. No problem. If anybody ever wants to talk sports, find me on Twitter at Man Cave Podcast. I love tweeting. I'm big into it. You know, listen to a podcast every once in a while, but fi- mm. find me on Twitter. It's fun. And check the uh, in the show notes for this podcast. There'll be his Twitter name, a link to the website, all that stuff. So if you guys want to yeah. contact that, you check that out. Thanks, guys. Um, all right. So let's move on to the main event here, guys. Let's talk a little Thor the Dark World, huh? No, break. we don't. We're live, so no break. When, when they Good. listen, when they listen to the show, um, in the actual uh, on the actual uh, day it comes out, the break will be there. But for those listening live, there's no break. Get no <laughs> another beer. Oh well. Um, and since we, we're not sure exactly which section of this podcast is going to come out um, on the man cave feed, yeah. I'm going to say welcome to man cave listeners. <laughs> or we should do like an intro in the beginning. Yeah, or something. yeah, yeah. We'll do something. yeah, yeah absolutely. We'll figure it out. Um, so. This week, uh, this 
just just yesterday, in fact, if you're listening to this live, <laughs> Thor: The Dark World uh, came out, uh, the newest in the line of Marvel Cinematic Universe films, uh, starring Chris Hemsworth, Tom Hiddleston, uh, Natalie Portman, Anthony Hopkins, Rene Russo, um, Kat Dennings, uh, Chris Eccleston, Stellan Skarsgård. Stellan Skarsgård. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously, the sequel to to Thor, which came out in 2011. Eleven, I believe. Yeah, same year as yeah. Cap, right? I'm going to say yes. 2011, yes. They yeah. came out in the same year. Um, and obviously the first appearance of the character since uh, The Avengers. Um, so if you guys haven't listened to our movie re- re- movie reviews before, what we always do is we do a <clears> section here, general impressions, non-spoilers, just kind of what we thought about the movie. We'll give you guys fair warning, and then we'll go into spoilers. And then after that... No holds barred. We're going to talk. We'll wait to that other moment to let everybody know that everyone dies at the end. Yeah, exactly. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) Not until until spoiler time, though. It's a dark world. (laughs) Um, But that being said, guys, while there will not be major story spoilers coming up in this discussion before we give the warning, if you don't don't want to know anything about the movie... This is not the podcast you listen to before you see you next see week. The movie. Yeah. It's a good, good time to listen to old man cave podcasts. Yeah, you can see <laughs> such a horror. Yeah. <laughs> um, I like I, it. I'm going to leave. I'm going to go listen to some podcasts. All right, okay. Uh, so we've we've all seen the the movie, obviously. Mm-hmm. Um, so Bob, why don't you start out for me? Uh, what did you think of? Of Thor one, and what did you think of this one as a sequel? Well, when we discussed which were the best Marvel movies. Mm-hmm. The, the lead-ups yeah. to the Avengers. I think we had Thor after Cap and Iron Man. I think so. I'm well, pretty yeah, sure yeah. he put yeah. it. I think this one is a slightly better. Okay. I wouldn't go really insane. A quarter star, maybe. Maybe this is one is a three and a quarter stars. Mm-hmm. That one was three. Both very, very high-quality films. This has got a very deep and involved storyline. It's set in three different worlds. Mm-hmm. Sometimes <laughs> all of them at once, mm-hmm. it seems like. That's true. But it doesn't seem to bog down. It's got plenty of light adventure as well as big superhero action it is dark world Mm. because there's a world that's really dark there's some monsters running around and all sorts of weird stuff it's literally dark right (laughs) yeah but it's still fun there's a lot of fun here there's a lot of humor if you wonder that that's not going to be here where Mm -hmm. it was from the first time in some cases enhanced because obviously cat dennings is now a much bigger star this Mm. time than she was last she has a lot more screen time She's hysterical. Her subplot works. You get lots of moments for the Earthbound characters. They have things to do. I, someone described Jane Foster's character as a victim mm. in one of the reviews I read. I don't buy that at all. I think she had plenty to drive this storyline. She's in the classic damsel in distress mode in that something bad happens, that mm. she has to be rescued. But then she turns around... And rescues other people, Mm -hmm. quite a bit of them. And Mm -hmm. without getting into a whole Man of Steel analogy, Mm -hmm. there's a lot of stuff gets wrecked here. London's (laughs) going to need a lot of spackle moving (laughs) forward here. But they seem to make a conscious effort to not destroy occupied buildings. When spaceships are sailing through stuff in London, it's sort of ground level. You see people being rescued and saved. The heroes do heroic stuff. Mm -hmm. Non-heroes do heroic stuff. The tone of this, despite it being the dark world, is upbeat and uplifting and just a damn lot of fun. Mm-hmm. Steve. All right. Well, I'm going to go a level above Bob. <laughs> I loved it. Mm-hmm. I loved it. I loved it. I loved it. I loved it. I loved every minute of it. Uh, I would have to probably rearrange my mar- uh, my top Marvel lists uh, personally. 
of films as in regard to I I really 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 do love the first Thor film. Um I've seen it probably more than any other of the Thor film uh, not Thor films. Marvel films aside from possibly Iron Man or okay. maybe Avengers. But um I'd watched it recently while getting ready for a Halloween party. And as many times as I've seen Thor, I always seem to forget just how funny it is. Mm-hmm. Um, so recently watching it, I'm I'm laughing my ass off and just re- kind of remembering how good it was and how much fun I had with it. And even though the, the climax of the film might not have been the most exciting out of the Marvel films, it's still a solid start to a, a really good character, a c- character that's kind of looked at as being um, a bit more than the superheroes. The fact that Marvel has a god as a superhero, some mm-hmm. people take issue with that. I've talked to at least two people in the past two days that have been like, oh, well, you know, if Thor could be a superhero, then that's like Jesus being a superhero. And then I kind of just... a great idea. <laughs> <laughs> Punk rock Jesus. Yeah, we yeah, had yeah. that last year. Um, Very but, few people, by the way, are still yeah. worshipping the Norse gods. Yeah. So th- those people should maybe lighten up who are now complaining about this. There are four people in Norway who are still bowing down to Thor. And, and at least and they, one of my ex-girlfriends. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm not kidding about that. Um, so, yeah, we'll get to that later. I you thought the flying spaghetti monster was strange. <laughs> I had a lot of fun. I went to go see it yesterday with my friend Chris. And I just... I, I knew nothing about it. I, I saw the trailers. The trailers didn't tell you much. It was mm. going to be dark. It was going to be, you know, mm. uh, dark. That was really mm. all I got. And I knew who the villain was, but I really, really was hoping against hope. And I said this to Bobby a couple times that I didn't want it to be so dark that it didn't retain the humor and the sense of adventure that Thor pretty much carries with him into you know the marvel universe that kind of bewilderment at being on midgard and and being confused by you know the way we do things and how to use a cell phone and mm. all this stuff <laughs> and they managed to have a really really dark and sinister you know overlay of a plot but it was peppered with humor and good times and winks to to jokes from the first one that made them feel new. And I mean, I just like the first one, I laughed out loud several times. And I was so, so happy that that was the case. Uh, I enjoyed Jane Foster's character far better this time, like I said, after reading uh, Thor and the Mighty Avengers. And after rewatching the first film a couple times, I felt like... She had a lot more to do in this movie. She had, um, you kind of felt for her more, the, fa- the idea that they're kind of progressing Thor and, and Jane's relationship with one another. There's a little bit more to tie me to the character. There's a bit more at stake. Um, the, some of the Loki stuff was fantastic and a, you know, a couple of surprises and things like that. But <clears throat> overall, and a part in the middle, when we get to the spoilers... That really, really got me. And I never would have expected it to, but it did. And like I said, we'll get to that with spoilers. Oh, but that part. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, lots of fun. Everything that everything that we've come to, well, that I, I've come to like about the Marvel films, it, it was like, like flagship moments of the movie. There was at least one of everything that I enjoy um, from, I mean, the new character designs 
from the various places. Uh, we got to see so much more of the Nine Realms, which was one thing we were when we were talking about the movie, whether we were excited for it. That's what I said I wanted, mm-hmm. and we got to see at least three different, you know, worlds of the World Tree, and it was just. It was fun. Mm. It was fun. And it got me... I saw the X-Men trailer beforehand. The X-Men trailer up on the big HD screen. It looks <clears throat> awesome. <laughs> I wasn't very excited oh, yeah. for no, it watching. Yeah. That's, that's interesting to yeah. hear. Yeah, no. When, when I watched it in a you know, little window on online, it doesn't carry the same weight when you see it on the big screen mm. with the surround sound. It was like... It was impactful. Mm. And I was, I was like, holy shit. Like, I really, really want to see this movie now. Um, but I, Thor was, I loved it. I want to see it again. I want to bring my mom to go see it. I want to see it with my girlfriend when she comes to visit at the end of the month, uh, provided that's still playing. Hopefully it will be. And, uh, I just, I urge everyone to go and check it out. It, it, it seemed like no one was talking about it and now everyone's kind of talking about mm-hmm. it. So Jeff, Here, here's what I think about Thor. And I think, first of all, they've done a really great job in these movies. I compare... Um, it's going to be tough. This is a sketchy subject with you guys. I know you don't like this, but the character of Thor to the character of Superman in a lot of ways. Okay. First of all, in the movie sense, when I know I'm going to go see a new Thor movie, I'm expecting a seven and a half out of 10. And I always get it. If not a little more, you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Like they always deliver my exact level of expectation with their movies. I love this movie. I had a great time. And that's what movies come down to, to me. Mm-hmm. We all see movies on a different level. I go, did I leave? Did I have a great time? That I'm very satisfied with the movies. Sometimes I talk to Bobby and he's on a whole different level of, well, that's not, not too, you know, con, con, uh, with the staying with the character through mm-hmm. the comic books and it doesn't quite do what I wanted to do. It was good, but blah, blah, blah. Different levels. Mm-hmm. With Thor, I get what I expect. With the Superman movies, I, I always expect the 10. And I get a six, okay? Mm. So that I think that throws it off a little bit. It's the higher expectations. There's than, such a yeah. higher expectations with those movies. And I, I, I leave feeling disappointed, especially with the last one. Now, the similarities with the characters themselves, it could be such an easy pitfall to have Thor be this boring, all-powerful god. Mm. Like, it, the character can be... When you read the words on a screen, it mm-hmm. could be that way of, I am Thor, and I have a hammer, I will protect this lord. You know, mm-hmm. it's so easy, but we love Thor. Mm-hmm. Thor is actually hilarious at times, mm-hmm. and he's always hilarious at the right times, yeah. and that's such a big difference. My biggest problem with every Superman movie I've ever seen is the character is so boring. Mm-hmm. There's no real moments, and he's the same thing. I'm a superior being, a supreme being. I'm really better than all you. I'm here to protect you and that's all you get you get that one level from him mm-hmm. and, and has a little moments with Lois Lane here and there or wherever you want to put him in whatever movie but besides that he comes off very boring where Thor I would I want to hang out with Thor like <laughs> Thor seems like a cool guy I'm gonna yeah. go drinking if, with him yeah. I would if he took his shirt off I'd probably lose my shit did you see him in this movie it was ridiculous I, Some, he I got leaned, more jacked I couldn't believe it he was, I, leaned, I leaned over to my friend and I was like a little something for the lady <laughs> yeah, and yeah, Jeff yeah, yeah. I was so into it he stands at the, he stands at the window that yeah, shot that's yeah, he yeah, was yeah. glistening over Asgard yeah, yeah, yeah. Wow. in the first movie I was like wow he's really jacked this one I was like how did he get more ripped I, I pulled Bobby I was like he got more jacked and Bobby's like yeah and stop filming. Yeah, and <laughs> just yeah. stop being Thor for like six years now. So yeah, so yeah. these movies, in addition to him being more in shape than ever, he <laughs> mm. 
they give me exactly what I expect, and they're always very good. Mm. And the comedy's at the right times. Mm. There's some things I didn't like about this movie as much as I like the other ones. Actually, I disagree with you on a few things. The Jane Foster character, I had a lot more sympathy for her in the first one. I felt they took a lot of things away from her, and everything was so confusing and not understanding that there was really a lot of despair and desperation from her. In this movie, she's like... Hey, buddy, look at this weird stuff's happening. Come help me out. You know, and it's like, okay, we'll help you out. And I found her a little obnoxious in some of these scenes where I never felt that before. Still like the character. For later, but she had a reason to be She upset. did, but it doesn't mean it didn't happen. <laughs> you know? And so that's how I felt about that. And, um, and um, I don't know how to say this. My favorite villain in this movie wasn't at full strength in this movie. <laughs> which is something I loved about the first one. Mm. That villain might be the best character in the whole thing, and mm. I didn't get a whole lot of him being at his best. Mm. So while I love this movie, I may have liked the first one a little more, but it's it's an irrelevant rating to me, because they both gave me exactly what I wanted. Yeah. I live very happy. Um, and, uh, and, and the other thing we talked about this too, the pit of the movie. Mm-hmm. And the first one... Listen, Thor loses his power. Mm. You have that moment where you're like, I don't know how this is going to happen. Mm. You know, and I think every... Successful movie, action movie, comic book movie has that pit, mm-hmm. Bobby and I like to call yeah, it, yeah. where it's like, I don't think they're going to do this. But that's what you're supposed to think. We yeah. all know yeah. Thor's going to figure it out. But in the first one, you're like, Thor has no powers. Mm. You know, his his powers are useless. His friends are useless. Mm. This seems like he's not going to be able to do it. In this movie, I never, I was like, it's going to be fine. <laughs> you know, they're <laughs> well, going to figure it out. now you know Thor. Yeah, yeah you know? now I know yeah. Thor. And that's exactly right. Yeah. You know, that's exactly right. And and that's a point in all these movies now. Now I know Captain America. Now I know Iron Man. Mm-hmm. You know, and um, I, I, I don't want to, you're going to talk about it at some point mm-hmm. too, but we always talk about with all these movies, you know, when these things are, you know, when all this crazy stuff's happening. Did you call the Incredible Hulk? We could use a hand, <laughs> you know. And like, it's a conceit of the form. You just yeah, gotta go yeah. with it. And I, I think of it every time. And I, yeah. I always say to him, "You just can't. You can't think of it like that." <laughs> They can't be like, in every movie. They could really use well, we, the Hulk. But this one's, this one's in London. Yeah. We haven't and it happens very quickly. That's what Iron, we said. Yeah. Iron Man flew to Iran in 30 minutes. That's <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> true. You could get to London. And, yeah, know. yeah. Um, but, uh, yeah. Do you want to say anything else? No, no. General that, that's my movie? general okay. feeling about the movie. Very happy. Uh, for me, very happy. Liked it a ton. Um uh, th- there are, are uh, there are a few things. Uh, see, I think I probably liked it the same uh, as the first movie, and but for me, they kind of exchanged problems for me. <laughs> one one of the things I really like about the first movie, which we kind of lose here, is the first movie because it's introducing this very out there being and the, and this this concept that most people aren't very familiar with. It's a very simple story. He he, you know, he messes up. His brother betrays him. And he has to win the favor of his father back, basically. And he does that by overcoming his his hubris and all of these other things. It's a very classic story. Uh, and that allowed all this fantastic stuff to, to be easier to swallow because the main story you were dealing with um, is easy to digest. Now, now we have a fully acceptable archetype and story. Thor has been in his own successful movie and in one of the most successful movies of all time. So people know who Thor is. We don't have to explain it anymore. We can do whatever we want. And what I think what, what results is I think um, too complicated a story. 
Not that it's confusing, but if you have to sit there and unless it's a mystery and think, where am I? What's going on? What's the story? <laughs> the moment you think that, even if it's two seconds, it's two seconds too long. And for me, that happened a couple of times. Um, and I, I think that's highlighted by the fact that I feel like the Malekith, the main villain, while Eccleston is fine and what he's doing is cool and, and the, the fight that we get at the end is very cool, I didn't care. You know, I didn't care about what he was doing because he's introduced in one scene at the beginning and he's just bad the entire time. <laughs> and there's nothing wrong with a bad guy being bad. I have no problem with that. I don't need a reason why he's bad. But because he's not intrinsically part of, of the Thor lore that we have going on here, he's kind of a uh, a cipher. Like it just a, he's just a a obstacle put in the front of, of Chris Hemsworth's character. I he, I didn't feel anything for him or Thor's battle with him. Uh, that being said, I think this movie, like you, like Steve had said, and Bob had said, and Jeff had said, it's a ton of fun. I laughed a lot during this movie at all the right times. Uh, I, I felt the action was well put together, better than the first movie, definitely. Um, but the thing that buoys this movie above anything else and what makes it, I think, a movie that everybody should see who likes these kind of things is the the character relationships that they build up between the characters that we do know are excellent across the board. And the performances that are there are fantastic. Hemsworth and Hiddleston are I could watch four hours of just them in that boat making fun of each other. <laughs> yeah. You know? That, and then having their kind of brotherly scene. Those two kind of scenes, just I could watch a whole movie just about that. Uh, and I thought that I do agree uh, with Steve here. I think that the Jane Foster character was much better served in this movie. And I felt that Hemsworth and her had a much better chemistry going on uh, than they had. I enjoyed the Kat Dennings character very much. I laughed out loud several times. There's that one line where she kind of knocks on his armor and goes, look at you. You're still all muscly. Yeah. <laughs> How space. <laughs> How space is good life. Yeah. And, and his answer to her and some of those situations they put Thor in where now in the first movie it was, I don't know what's going on with you puny humans. Give me another glass, you know. Now he understands, but he's still this giant man in armor walking around a normal London apartment. And th that's there's humor there. Who hangs his hammer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. I don't know all the jokes, but and he gets in a car and he just That's the moment. He looks ridiculous me. sitting in a yeah. regular car. Um so all that stuff I thought was awesome. Uh Hiddleston again is the it, to me, he's the best thing about the movie. Uh, and that's in a movie full of things that I really like. This isn't like, Hiddleston's great, everybody else is bad. But Hiddleston is just, he's just an, another level of, of, he gets that character, he's fully embraced who that character is, and who's ever writing him, I don't know if it's Whedon doing the polishing on the script, if it's the normal screenwriters, they just get it. They just get who that character is. He's so consistent. And Hiddleston is so charming in it that he is Loki like you want to believe you're like Thor in that one scene you want to trust him you want to believe that he is telling you the truth want to hang out with this guy yeah. because he could be fun yeah except. but you know he's fucking lying you yeah. know he's lying because he's Loki and he's proven it time and time again but just like Thor just like everybody else you want to believe that he is being honest with you um you still get another level with him here, too. You do get another level with great. him, and that's what I mean. He's just, the performance is fantastic. And I think, I said this after the first Thor movie, he's probably my favorite villain next to the Joker in any of these mm -hmm. movies, and he has continued to enhance that over the, over the Avengers 
and in this movie. Uh, I thought what little we got of the Warriors 3 and Sif, great. You know, I, I thought that they didn't miss a beat and they, they had... They, they were badass yeah. in the very little time they got to be on screen. And that's what you want uh, from those people. Uh, you know, th- and th- that's really it. I thought that also never, I mean, I guess this is sort of John Carter-ish in the way that it is put together. But the mix between the high fantasy or I guess low fantasy because it's more low fantasy uh, and the sci-fi stuff. Awesome. It, 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 it brought another level and a, a visual diversity to it that I wasn't expecting. I didn't expect there to be giant laser cannons in Asgard. So <laughs> I, I Odin, loved it. Odin does make the point of saying, well, they worship us as yeah. gods. We're not gods. We're Exactly. Yeah, we're I, aliens. Oh, <laughs> that's a great thing. That was a great thing for me to yeah. hear. Mm-hmm. You know, I was like, oh, it, it put a whole, the whole family in a different perspective for me hearing mm-hmm. Odin say that. I was like, oh, yeah, you know. Um, but overall, definitely a thumbs up. I, I still, I think I put even with Thor one, maybe a little bit, maybe a little bit above it. Um, but it still, it doesn't go ahead of cap for me. It really, the ones above it, and I know disagree with me, but I, I liked Iron Man three more. Like, so mm-hmm. I've got Iron Man three above it for me this year. But the the fact that it's so good and it, look, keeping the same quality as the really good movie you put out two years ago, yeah. there's nothing wrong with that. Right. You, you know, there's nothing wrong with that at all. And I think people are going to want to, you're going to probably see critiques of it that are like, well, it's only just as good as the last one. That's okay. Because yeah. you really loved the last one. So <laughs> you, it's all right. You know what happens with me? You guys probably don't get this. Mm-hmm. And you're missing out. It's this <laughs> fact that all this stuff I'm going into with open brand new eyes. Mm. Like I knew kind of what Thor's deal was, mm. but I got to hear the story for the first time. So these first couple of movies, first Thor, first Captain America, the first Iron Man, mm. I'm seeing and understanding things that I've never heard before. So I, along with Natalie Portman, I'm trying to figure it out <laughs> for the first time, you know? So it, there is a, a, something that draws you to that that you'll never forget that like oh this is what's going on Mm -hmm. this is what's happening and then the second movie it's like well now that you understand all this crap some more let's go here let's go to space hold on tight i'm like i'm not ready to go to space you know and so the first ones always resonate a little deeper with me Mm -hmm. i think because i'm i'm learning so much in Mm -hmm. those movies yeah and also you don't have the problem we did you mentioned it before where we're looking at it oh they didn't get that right yeah Mm -hmm. Or, or that we've accepted that and try to say, okay, this is the cinematic universe. And mm. I, don't, I shouldn't be thinking about it this way, but it's hard not to start getting in your head. No, wait a minute. That, in issue 147, <laughs> and this didn't is, happen that when, way. When, ah! you guys, when you guys are doing that, this is what's going on in my head. I'm like, why would they put Kat Dennings in that outfit? Why? <laughs> she's got the greatest two breasts I've ever seen. <laughs> they got them locked up the whole time. <laughs> so we both have struggles, Bob. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> man. Oh man! So uh, those, those cupcakes. Huh? Yeah, I think that's gonna do it for our non-spoilery uh, uh, conversation about the movie. So, if you guys uh, want to tune out now, we're gonna be uh, talking major spoilers here uh, from here on in about uh, Thor: The Dark World. But I think all of us pretty much are agreed you should go see Thor: The Dark oh, World, yeah. especially if you enjoyed Absolutely. the first Thor yes. uh, film. So, spoilers from here on in. Uh, let's talk first about uh, the scene in the middle. I think the one that you're, you're speaking of now. Yes. Uh, we have we have Loki and Thor teamed up. It's that very. I love the, that scene <clears throat> where he's like, "Oh no, not him!" It's the it's one of those yeah. great movie scenes, you know. Um, and the scene of them escaping is fantastic. 
Um, but we get this big thing where they go into the the dark world into into Malaketh's you know land, and they're like, we're taking the fight to him. And Thor and Loki get into that altercation, and Loki goes into kind of old Loki. I want to see you dead at my feet, and he chops off uh, Thor's hand. Yeah, yeah. Now watching that, did we all think he he chopped off Thor's hand, Jeff? I had yeah, but mm. I because of what we know about Loki, mm. I I hesitated. <laughs> I was like, oh, wait a minute, you know, like I thought, you know, he mm. was there, but then it started. The plan started to come together, mm. like. How else would they expect to attack mm. these, you know, a little army of terrible people that, <laughs> without some sort of trickery? Mm. And, and why mm. else? W- and they know Loki. I, I thought something was up, but mm. I still thought Thor's hand. I'm like, well, now what are they going to do? How's Thor going to win with a broken hand? <laughs> what a terrible his idea. hammer hand. Yeah, yeah, I know. Yeah. Exactly. Bob, what did you think about that scene? I bought it entirely mm-hmm. that he was on his side and then betrayed him and had chopped his hand off. The violence of the fight itself the way he pulled the knife and mm. all those sort of ways i bought it mm. i completely bought it and i was sort of cheering when it turned around <laughs> it's like, yay loki yeah. he's gonna be a good guy again and then oh yeah oh. more spoilers <laughs> yeah well we're on full spoilers okay. now but he ends up very very dead yeah in a very creepy scary way where yeah. a fellow pulls him into his chest it's yeah. uh cursed at that cursed, point yeah yeah He's been stabbed through the back, and he goes, oh, good for you, boink. Yeah. yeah. And takes him out, too. Oh, and he dies. And oh, It's a very good scene, too. His death scene is very good. Yeah. It's emotional. It has that, it has that, that right amount of like action movie heart to it, where it is a character, two characters that you know very, very well and you care about. Um, and not only do you care about the characters, yeah. we're all sitting there hoping they find a way to just stay together as a team. Yeah. We all yeah. know it's not going to happen. Yeah. We're all like, man, I hope they just worked out their differences. Yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah. but, and we almost had it. Yeah. We almost had it. Yeah, absolutely. Almost. Steve, what, did you buy that scene? I did. Yeah. I did. I totally bought it. Uh, Sam, I'm kind of in the same boat as Jeff, where you know that something is up. Mm. But it's classic misdirection. Mm. You know, you know that it it's gonna it's gonna be fine. Everything's gonna be fine. Thor's gonna get his hand back and it's all but it's it's the how. Mm. And it's also again, and it's a testament to Hiddleston, it's a testament to the writers and how well they've managed to craft this character just within the span of two movies that nobody trusts him. Mm. Like the whole thing about Loki is that if there was like something written on his tombstone, you know, here lies Loki, you don't mm. trust them. Yeah. You know, well, and, uh, here lies it... Loki. And again, and again, and <laughs> yeah. again. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, exactly. And uh, it's very good, Bob. <laughs> the best part about what you're saying is you're absolutely right. No one trusts him, but everybody wants. To. Well, that's yeah. the thing. Yeah, Cause yeah, I yeah. want, I want to trust him. Cause mm. I know I've seen him do things mm. that were for the better of the group. I've mm. seen it in the comics yeah. and I'm like, ah, oh, like maybe this is going to be that time, right? Like they're going to go there. Yeah. He's going to, he's going to just, you know, go along with Thor's plan and, you know, it's all going to work out. And this is going to be the movie where we see that, you know, Loki's not such a bad guy. And mm. I'm like, but wait a minute. But then they're going to lose, like, their greatest villain. Yeah. You know, and everybody, everybody, especially the ladies, they love Hiddleston as Loki. And they love him as the villain. Yeah. And I just, when I saw him get his hand chopped off, I was just, I was like, oh, shit. Like, mm. oh, my God. Like, what's going on? Like, yeah, all yeah. of a sudden, it was all going awry. And I'm like, wait a minute. <laughs> I'm like, this has got to be a part of the plan. Yeah. Um, well, the but, only thing that get me is we've seen 
I don't know where the timing of this right, but hypothetically, we've seen mountains pushed on top of Thor and yeah. he'd be like, Ugh, you know, <laughs> but he gets his hand cut off and he's like, <laughs> I can't, I can't. Like, I, he would have continued to fight. I yeah. Well, it's the like, other hand. Well, it's like they're, they were emphasizing, one of the things they were emphasizing about in this movie is that they can die, whether it's 5,000 years or yeah. 7,000, that mm-hmm. they eventually, their lives do end. Mm-hmm. So the question in my mind, while that, all that was going on, because your brain asks you mm. questions faster than you can be entertained by this film, yeah. that I'm like, is his hand going to grow back? Like, is, <laughs> is, is, is starfish? Like, like, I'm just saying, like, is, is Milnar going to like, he's going to call it back and it's just going to like fly into the stump mm. and he'll just have like Milnar as a, as a hand for yeah. a while. Yeah. And wow. So, yeah, I think I just grossed Jeff out. Yeah, yeah. No, whatever. It'll be um, really tough in the bathroom in the morning. Yeah. But, or alone at night. I'm sorry. Yeah. <laughs> Very I don't think Thor spends a lot of nights alone. <laughs> the, uh, the scene that I was actually talking about that I didn't want to spoil right away was actually not the Loki scene. Oh, really? Oh, it's the um, one before? The the Frigga. Oh, uh, yeah. That's uh, an awesome scene. Moment, yeah. And, you know, we were mentioning before you, Jeff was talking about how... Uh, j- what? I'm just thinking about Thor spending nights alone. Like. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So uh, Jane kind of being... A lot of people said that she was, you know, the victim or, mm. you know, the damsel in distress kind of thing. Uh, we got uh, some moments from uh, Frigga that were just absolutely badass mm-hmm. that I did not expect. Yeah. You know, she's all regal and mm-hmm. she's royalty and she's this and she's that. And she's her demeanor is always so respectful and quiet and just, you know, she she looks delicate. And then in those moments where the the throne room or just the, the chambers, they get invaded mm-hmm. and she grabs that sword like when she's leading Jane away from the fight and she just walks past that guard and nicks the sword right out of his thing like ooh that was smooth Mm -hmm. and it just it kind of gave me an inkling as to what she was capable of and then just a couple of minutes later we got to see her pull some moves Mm -hmm. I didn't know that she could move like that (laughs) yeah like that was impressive. Yeah. And you know, we we talk a lot about females and them being probably represented between her and Jane's actions towards the end of the film and Sif, mm-hmm. uh the little screen time that she had. I mean, I want to see a Sif movie. Mm-hmm. I want to see Journey into Mystery and have her go off and do her own thing, make her a major part of Thor 3 get everybody nice and comfortable and give her her own movie. Mm. I don't know that it'll happen, but I I would be there. I would mm. love it. But um yeah, no. And I I was I was really really stricken with sadness when the the Frigga scene mm. happened. I did not expect it. Mm. Um and I certainly did not expect it to last. You always think that these characters are going to they're going to come back. Mm-hmm. Something's going to happen and she's just going to, you know, she's a god. Mm-hmm. She's a goddess. So she's she's the queen and mm-hmm. you know, she's going to figure something out. There's like right. she's got a royal vizier that's going <laughs> to come out and uh what's his face is going to resurrect her. But no. She gets sent sent off to uh to the cosmos mm-hmm. and it was beautiful. That's an amazing scene. Yeah, that it was, was an amazing. It was scene. Yeah. absolutely gorgeous, and I loved that the funeral was the whole pushing her out into the boat, yeah. lighting the pyre, and traditional like Viking Norse funeral stuff, and the the boat that she was in not falling over the waterfall. 
because I was like, that's kind of like you do this beautiful thing. And then she's just going to tumble to her watery death. Like that's kind of, you know, her watery grave rather. Mm -hmm. Like that's not really too ceremonious. And then she starts, the boat starts to drift out, you know, over the water into the night. And then just her, she burns up and becomes pretty, pretty much stardust Mm -hmm. and is cast into the cosmos. And now she's practically her own constellation. Mm -hmm. I thought that that was beautiful yeah and i loved that amidst all the darkness amidst the funny parts that that those 10 minutes that those moments were in there and i felt completely different than i did the whole rest of the movie Mm -hmm. and the rage and the sadness that the characters felt that scene where loki reveals the prison that's all trash and everything I loved that moment yeah. when he's like, you know, enough with the tricks. Yeah. And I was like, tricks? Yeah. And I forget that he was losing his shit. Yeah. And then all of a sudden he pulls the facade away. And I'm like, damn. Yeah. Loki, like, you've been up drinking. <laughs> What's going on? Yeah. Uh, just some really, really, really great moments out of a character that really has not been that much of a part of the films to have that impact mm-hmm. um, on me p- personally, uh, I, th- I thought was great. Yeah, you absolutely. Know, you know what scene we didn't get, which I was kind of waiting for, because it seems to write itself in the situation they put themselves in, is I expected there to be a moment where all the Asgardians revolted or did something against Jane. Like, why are you here? Mm-hmm. You've brought all this trouble to us. Mm-hmm. Get rid of her. And I expected there to be a moment where Thor had to stick up for her against the people. Because mm-hmm. if, if Thor doesn't bring her there... The world is, their universe is intact for at least X amount of more time, you Mm. know? And I'm surprised that wasn't in the film. I don't know if you guys were expecting to see that or... I don't know, Bob, what do you think? No, I I wanted more Odin being angry and not just petulant about it. Right, okay. Because he he pretty quickly turned into, well, I know what went wrong and come and I'll show you. Here's the encyclopedia of Asgard and (laughs) we'll look at some stuff. That said, over the history of the books, Jane in Asgard has become a major part of this. Okay. So I think they didn't want to, they may have to use that. And if you turn everyone against her and then want to bring her up there again, mm. yeah. you've set into play something you can't get back. You can mm. in a comic book because you may have issue after issue to sort right. it out. Yeah. In the next hour and a half movie, ooh, what yeah. we, didn't we, everyone just hate her? Mm-hmm. How do we explain what we just did? I agree with you that it, it made. Would make a lot of sense for the movie, but maybe not a lot of sense for a series of movies. Right, makes sense. You uh, you pointed out a character that you would like to see more of, Loki. Yeah, well, not no. necessarily Loki. Oh, you were talking about Loki. Yeah, what was your criticism about Loki? I just wanted, I just want more bad guy Loki, and mm. it's really great that they were able to work together and stuff. Mm. But that moment where we're like, did Loki cut his arm off? Mm-hmm. If he that if he would have cut his arm off <laughs> or something similar. I love Loki as the bad guy yeah. so much that to see him as the good guy and help is pretty cool. And uh, granted, huge twist at the end of the whole yeah, thing. Yeah. But I, I just love bad Loki. Mm-hmm. I love evil Loki so much. I, I left me wanting a little more, which maybe is fine. Yeah. Maybe yeah. Well, you great. should be left wanting more. And our, from our understanding, we had talked about this. They added lots of him. Yeah, there's a lot of him added into the movie. Oh, there wasn't enough in the first yeah, cut? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, and they, Alan Taylor, the director, talked about how Marvel makes movies. And they basically... You know, they're very big about like, okay, they set aside time and money to go and shoot more stuff after they finish. Oh, okay. So they put it together and they go, okay, no, we need more of this, more of this, more of this. Okay, let's go. We have this time. We have the actors booked. Let's go do it. And one of the big things was bringing Loki back because in the time when they were shooting it, 
you know, he, he was pretty popular after Thor, but after the Avengers, his, his popularity yeah, shot so far up that they were like, okay, we need more of him. So that scene at the beginning, the scene where he uh, first sees Odin, you know, he's in cuffs. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That scene wasn't in there. That scene isn't even directed by Alan Taylor. Oh, really? Yeah, no. Is um, it Whedon? What? Josh Whedon? No, no, it's uh, Tim Miller, who um, is the guy who... Uh, he's an effects guy, I believe, and he is the one who's supposed to direct that Deadpool movie that has never been able to get out, out oh. of the... They just brought him in to direct it because they needed someone to do it. Um, and I, I, there's a couple other scenes, too. That, well, that scene on the boat between uh, Thor and Loki, kind That's of the emotional... Not the, not the, oh, I, that, I, the circle that. one is part as well, but also the like, kind of... I wish I could trust wish you. I could trust you scene. Uh. Joss Whedon wrote that scene. And that's one of the, where you turn to me, you're like, okay, when he was like, trust my rage. I bought it at yeah. that point. Because then, like, I'm still, I was still so hesitant about Loki being involved. Cause mm. I, maybe I wanted a turn, mm. but I still never really bought mm. that he was there to help. Until he said, trust my rage. Yeah. And I was like, all right, yeah. I will. I will <laughs> as a fan. And whether I'm falling for a trap or not, mm-hmm. at that moment, I understand why Thor trusted him at this moment. Yeah. Um, well, the but, unwritten sorry, from ahead. the comic book history is the old Tales of Asgard was a backup feature in, in Journey into Mystery, the original Journey into Mystery with the old, old numbers. They worked together. Mm. As kids, they did yeah. stuff together. It was mm-hmm. Loki's bent to every once in a while, screw with him. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'll do this and I'll make this trouble because it's, it's fun. It's yeah. mischievous. And then mischief turned into, well... I don't get to be king, and you're yeah. the favorite son, and mm. and that they it built nicely over the the backstory for years and years to the right. point that well, if you'd read those stories, I get why he wants to trust him. Mm-hmm. Yeah, okay, but yeah. you can't because he's Loki. Yeah, he's because he's Loki. <laughs> it's exactly exactly right. Um, no, you had mentioned when you were watching the movie or after the movie is over, um, Heimdall. Oh, he's the, my oh, favorite he's character great. in the whole thing. Yeah, I want I want a spinoff for. <laughs> <laughs> He doesn't have a lot of uh, locations in his movie. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> just that one place. His job is to stand there, and yeah. it always has been. And he seems like he can do anything he ever needs to do yeah. well, as took, a character. took down a ship. Yeah. <laughs> a ship I didn't even see. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> he sees but all. In both movies, he is placed with some very heavy decisions, mm. with very heavy yeah. consequences. And he always seems to make the right decision, no matter how hard it is. And even turning himself in in that moment Mm-mm. to claim treason yeah. mm-hmm. is yeah. a beautiful thing for a character. Yeah. And I was glad to see him a little more in this one. And, and I love that character. I yeah. love that character. I think it's, uh, I, you know, I, I would love to see it expanded, although it seems very difficult. But yeah. <laughs> I, I, every scene he was in, I'm riveted in everything that he does. From sitting there with you at the movie, it, it, it struck me that I think they did a very good job like I said before, with the little moments with the side characters. Because uh, Fandral, right? That's yep. the one, the, the blonde-haired uh, warrior three. Fandral the Dashing. Yeah. Oh, yeah. He did that. He jumped on the boat and he did all the moves and he goes, he's good. Yeah. <laughs> and I had been thinking that the whole movie. Yeah. And then he did that and I was like, I like this guy. Yeah. He's I good s- at what he does. Volstagg yeah. got his moment. Volstagg yeah. got his yeah. moment as well, yeah. I still get so like out of whack when I realize that it's Zachary Levi yeah. doing that role. Chuck. Yeah. I, oh, that's Chuck? Yeah. yeah. Oh, you guys I love always Chuck. see him as Chuck, but I don't know it's him until they do a close-up. Yeah. And I was like, oh, right. It was somebody different in the first movie. They recast yeah. the role. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah. It's not even him in the first movie. Well, yeah, yeah. That's why he doesn't look like Chuck in the first movie. <laughs> yeah, yeah. How do you like that? Yeah. When well, you're talking about side characters mm. and great job they did, help me on the name. The Lady Warrior? Sif. 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 Yeah. Right. Her character and the obviously 
the obvious want to be with Thor mm-hmm. and the obvious resentment against Jane mm-hmm. without anything ever being said yeah. is little a really look. great little job. turn of the head and a look. A little turn and a look <laughs> yeah. and a little, I'm glad you're not hungry, let's go. Or whatever yeah. it is, you know, <laughs> yeah. like, yeah. that was great. Yeah. As actor Jeff, I mm-hmm. enjoy those actors doing a great job, mm-hmm. getting their point across emotionally and physically without saying it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I great love job, uh, her armor and particularly her sword. Mm-hmm. Her sword is badass yeah she's awesome that like serrated golden blade that yeah. she has it's gorgeous yeah i would love her armor more on my floor that's all right <laughs> bring in a little man cave <laughs> sorry uh, watch out jeff we have a very uh our audience will uh tear you apart great at man cave podcast <laughs> i just like attention uh, you know awesome. when, when odin mentions to thor it was after the scene i guess at the banquet yeah Mm. Where Odin says you'd be better served by what's in front of you yeah. than yeah. what you're chasing yeah. after. Yeah. That's that. Thanks, Dad. Yeah. <laughs> Where'd you come up with that one? Doesn't huh? have bad choices on either uh, yeah, either end exactly. there. No. Um, well, look, Jane in the books was an, was Don Blake's nurse. Does anyone mm. know who Don Blake yeah, well, is? Yeah. Well, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Jeff. Nothing. Yeah. <laughs> Thor in the comics was a guy, a, a doctor with a an infirmity in his leg. Who's on vacation in Norway and encounters a character who's actually in this movie? Oh, really? And in the opening scene, just the guy he takes down and goes, "Who's next?" Yeah, that's who Thor originally encounters. It's the Stone Men from Saturn <laughs> back in Journey into Mystery '83. So, Doctor Don Blake running around Norway, spacemen show up. He hides in a cave. They go, "Oh, great!" They push a big rock in front of it and say, "Oh, die! Who cares?" He finds laying on a rock in a cave a gnarled walking stick that he's, he tries to pry the boulder out of the wall so he can leave and can't, and in frustration slams it on the ground. The cave is filled with light, and he emerges in the next chapter, continuing after next page, as Thor. Mm-hmm. Huh. Holding a hammer inscribed with, Whosoever holds this hammer, if he be worthy, shall possess mm-hmm. the power of Thor. Mm-hmm. And he started as, that was the secret identity, and Jane Foster was his nurse. Wow. Mm-hmm. He really started from the bottom, and, and now he's here. his way up. <laughs> and eventually, they, Stan decided this secret identity thing was better with Superman, and mm-hmm. he just uh, okay. went away from it. And it was, Don Blake was an identity that Odin had created to stick Thor in so mm-hmm. he could learn humility. Just what happens in the first movie, yeah. but he put him in this position where... You don't have any physical powers. You're less than human. Mm-hmm. But what you do for your time is to help people in even worse shape than you are. Mm-hmm. Wow. Which is that's kind of epic for 1960s comic. And more <laughs> kudos to Stan and his brother Larry who wrote the thing. Yeah, absolutely. And they, they referenced that in the first movie. Yep. Because when they try to get him out, like uh, they have a fake ID that says Donald Don Blake, Blake on it. Oh. They, they use... Yeah, they, they, they do those little things uh, in the movie. But it's nice to see Jane having a lot more to do. Yeah. That she is now a scientist and a really competent one. Mm-hmm. She discovers a lot of what's gone wrong, figures yeah. it all out. All right, but hold on a second. If Jane... Hold on. Go ahead. Drives me nuts the whole movie. And this happens in every movie. Mm-hmm. But if Jane doesn't stick her hand between the rocks, <laughs> this whole thing doesn't happen. And yeah. the, she's, a scienti- are... she's a scientist yeah, and you well, investigate yeah. stuff. <laughs> I... If I saw two giant rocks hovering over each other, the last thing I'm going to do is stick my hand between them. Yeah, <laughs> the she's a nefarious red glow. I'm like, what is that? Oh, that looks dangerous. I'm, <laughs> I'm not going in that basement with a flashlight. Yeah, it's no, it's yeah. that no. scene. Yeah. Yeah, that's what Mrs. Mancave okay. is well, for. Send her in there. <laughs> I think for one thing, because she is a scientist, that curiosity will win out. 
Um, but I also think that the the benevolent nature of the stuff trapped within the rocks was calling to her, and it doesn't take much for it to to grab hold. That the moment that she crosses that threshold and her her hand enters the red, so to speak, like that's it. Mm-hmm. So I can't I can't speak to the pulling in because I, I, I don't wouldn't know what, be but... able to resist. I personally, I I once broke a thermometer and a whole bunch of mercury <laughs> fell out onto to, to a table. I spent the next half hour trying to stab it with my thumb, not knowing <laughs> wow. that it was a bad idea. Yeah, yeah. Well, especially poisonous. If, if you're yeah. Jane and you've seen what you've seen, mm-hmm. you might think to leave it alone. Yeah. <laughs> but she I was understand. Looking, she was also looking for a way to get back with her honey. Yeah. <laughs> Let's be honest. If she was she was looking for a gateway. Mm. So they could reconnect. Why are there so many shoes in here? If Mrs. Mancave was, was trapped back on Midgard, and the only way that you could get back to her was by sticking your hand between two red rocks. <laughs> if I had known that. Yeah. But she doesn't know yeah. that. I, for <laughs> me, that scene seems like a lot like um, the pull of the one ring or something like that. Yeah. Like it, It's like she's drawn to it without... Then they didn't make that clear. No, I don't think in, they made in it In my head, either. it was yeah. her going, ooh, what's that? Yeah. You know? <laughs> if that had never happened. Absolutely. I understand what you you're know? saying. Hey, if she didn't bring her cell phone along, no mm. one would have gotten home. Yeah. Who doesn't have their cell phone in their pocket at all times? <laughs> Me. Uh, I, uh, I like the climactic battle. I thought, that, I thought that was good. I thought that they included the other characters pretty well. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I feel a little bit... He has some funny moments. I feel like Selvig is kind of... It's, it's, some of his stuff is a little too big for me. Um, but he has that great line where he, when he's throwing his medication away. It's nice yeah. to find that the world's even crazier yeah, no, than yeah. I am. Great line. And but the, it's and I don't know what order it comes in. But then it's either just before or just after when well I had a god in my head. Yeah. And said very seriously. Yeah. That he regrets being kind of goofy, mm, but yeah. he. I think better without my pants, kind of. Yeah, thing. yeah, which is awesome. We all do. We yeah. all do. Yeah. <laughs> we all do. Um, uh, I love the subway moment. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. His little smile. Yeah. That's that was what got me. That despite him being in the the throes of a mm-hmm. huge battle, going through portal after portal, mm-hmm. that he still finds a moment to appreciate the fact that he still makes women very nervous. Yeah, and she <laughs> she bumps into his armor and she yeah. you know loses her breath a little yeah, bit. Yeah. And he's like, hey, that's right. Yeah. <laughs> very dynamic too. Like the going from dimension to dimension, I thought looked really interesting and kept. It, it changing up constantly, constantly, not knowing where anything was going to end up. And his poor little hammer trying to find. I his know, he kept trying to find him. <laughs> meow meow, meow meow. <laughs> uh, the one moment though that I did think about the Hulk was when the ship was falling. I was like, yeah. this would be a perfect time for the Hulk yeah. to show yeah. up. Yeah. I thought when the Stegosaurus-looking thing popped out of the portal, yeah, like oh, Hulk could just was... pick him up and. I thought possibly that in that after after credit sequence we might we might have seen that, but again, he was like scampering after the birds. Well, so, that was hysterical. Yeah. Uh, and I, I do think it has a, a fantastic cameo. The the oh, Chris yeah. Evans Captain America thing yeah. Didn't is see awesome. That coming nope. at all. It was awesome. I feel so. What is it? The, the patriotic. The patriotic. The self assurance. I'll talk about trust and stuff. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the uniform's a little tight. Yeah. yeah. That was I love that. Like I the shield. Like yeah. The shield. Yeah. yeah. That was good. Yeah. yeah. There is. I thought this was a little bit of a leap of logic. Mm. I've heard you talk about this before. And that is in the in the battle scene at the end. That this equipment we don't really know anything about mm-hmm. magically can destroy this ship. Yeah. It was something that was presented to me, and I was like, 
So that's going to be what it is, yeah. and I'm just going to have to the, go the with it. Stakes in the ground. The stakes yeah, in the ground. Yeah. But then they're like, Thor, if you put these next to them, we can send them the hell out of here. You yeah. know, never once were those things designed to do that. Mm. But she just knew. She's like, oh, if I reverse it, yeah, then this will f- save everything. Mm. And I guess, yeah. you know, I, am I? Uh, no, I think. I think the problem isn't in her leap of logic or or in her her decision. I think is is what the first part you said is that. They don't really outline what they do, kind of in the first place. You know, yeah. they seem like they're instruments to read something that's happening. And there's a line where she's like, "Oh, they're never meant to do anything like this. They're meant to do this." And she's like, "Yeah, but I can do this and this and this." And look, I buy it. She's really smart. She's a physicist. I get it. But I think, I think describing what the actual instruments were in the first place a little better would have led to that second part being, you know, and it could, it could yeah, have been mumbo jumbo. It could have been, yeah. I, re- yeah. I, I, re- babble, I reversed yeah. the gravitational parallax field. So the in, you know, whatever. And then boom. That, and that would be right. Yeah. yeah exactly. <laughs> exactly what happens. And that's, when you do that's that. a leap for me. Yeah. Like it's, it's a character being like, Jeff, this is going to work. And we're going to tell you real quick why. And yeah. that's all I get. Yeah. They never showed me. They never mm. really explained it. They said it once and I just kind of had to go with it. Yeah. Yeah. That's exactly right. Okay. You've already bought. Got, uh, aliens from space who are gods mm. in Thor and in the Avengers Thor's hammer does all sorts of amazing things that they didn't stop to explain once and mm. you wouldn't ask how can he call down the lightning how can he fly how does he do this and you, it never occurred to you to say really well what, this is something I brought up with Bobby and I even talked to you a little bit about it I, I'm in I have a I have a god from space I have different nine universes mm. I have a spaceship going through London mm. and all I could think about is how come Thor's outfit changes? How come yeah. some scenes he has sleeves and some scenes he doesn't? Does he stop and change if it's cold with the world he's going to? Does he throw the sleeves on? It never gets addressed. And I'd like a little more explanation on the sleeves of Thor. It's in uh, convertible. It's in Avengers. When he picks up the hammer, the end of Avengers, the 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 the, the mail on his arms comes in. When so he just when gets he falls to the side spaceship. Yeah, yeah. It's it's his armor when he's in battle yeah, using the yeah. hammer. And when he's just cruising around town, he's, he's like, sleepless. "Sun's out, guns out. Come sun's on, let's out, do guns this." Out. <laughs> I, that's a leap of logic to me. <laughs> look at my look at my look well, at my arms. For all the leaps of logic that the comic <laughs> movies ask you to make, yeah. if I was Thor, I would never wear sleeves. <laughs> <laughs> he flies because Stan wanted an explanation for how he would fly. Mm-hmm. And he, he, you shouldn't just be able to push up in the air like Superman. It doesn't make any sense. Well, well he's if, got this hammer, <laughs> so he swings it around really fast. And throws it, mm-hmm. and catches the, the the leather strap at the bottom, and is basically the hammer is flying because he threw it, and he catches it and is being dragged along yeah. by his own hammer. That's the reasoning for flying. Yeah, that's yeah, how yeah. He, yeah. my yeah. thought was: the hammer can fly. You hold on to the hammer. Yeah, you right. can fly with a hammer. Pretty that's, much. That's all I can yeah. need. Yeah. Um, any other moments, Steve, that you wanted to talk can about? Can we talk about the end credits? Yeah, that's what I was going to go to. If oh, we had okay. no other moments to talk about that we wanted no, to nothing bring up. That we, we also want to, don't want to spoil every moment in this movie <laughs> and every joke. And yeah, um, yeah. You send us $6. You don't have to pay eleven twenty five to see yeah, the movie. Exactly. Oh, don't get me started with eleven twenty five and All popcorn right. prices. Go. After credit sequence. After credit sequence. A uh, little bit from Guardians of the Galaxy mm-hmm. mixed with uh, Thor. Mm. I... I like I I I yelled out in in into the audience. Benicio del Toro. <laughs> yeah, pretty much, pretty much. Tim Robbins. Uh, I absolutely did not expect to see him this early. Uh, I certainly did not expect him to look the way he did. He looked like he was vacationing at Floston's Paradise. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And uh, you know, part of the the Ruby Rod. You fan lost club. me on that one. That's a fifth, fifth element, element joke. Oh, okay. <laughs> Am I right though? Yeah. 
but he he comes at, he's he's the collector and they're you know uh Sif and Volstag are they arrive with a a little container and the container is glowing red and immediately I knew what it was and I started to like squirm in my seat like holding on to both sides of the armrests and I was like my ass is already out of the chair and I'm just kind of squirming and he opens up his mouth and to me Benicio Del Toro has one of those voices, whether he's in The Usual Suspects or Fear and Loathing in Las Vegas or Snatch. He just like it's Freddie Fourfingers with blonde <laughs> hair and frosted eyebrows. Mm-hmm. And he's a collector of all things. He keeps things safe uh, throughout the universe that needs to be locked up when you don't know where things end up. He usually holds on to them. And I he was in the the two and a half, maybe two minutes that he was on Mm -hmm. screen, he had so many personality quirks just from the way that he took the container away from them and kind of was like crushing it between his hands that you could see him trying to keep his excitement and Mm. his calm under control. And the fact that receiving this thing, he's acting like he's going to keep it safe, that it's part of a much bigger plan. Mm Mm-hmm. And that moment where he's hunched over the thing and he's crushing it between his hands and he's still trying to keep a straight face, I fell in love with that character mm. immediately. I cannot wait to see him in Guardians of the Galaxy. Mm. And with what he has and moving forward yeah. is the yeah. Infinity Gems. What, yeah. what does he say? One down, five to One go. One down, five to go. Yeah. Um, that Finster voice. And, and, and yeah, this, was... by the way, right in front of us, oh. I have with me Avengers 28. Mm-hmm. And that is the first appearance ever of the collector. He looks awesome and he looks, looks so rather good. like yeah. I'm seeing. What, I can see what we saw in the movie. He does. They try very hard to get these things right. You got to mm. give them credit. Yeah. And he and he's got the little wasp in her little. Loved it. <laughs> Did you guys stay all the way to the end? Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Of yeah. Yeah. Okay. yeah. Yeah. I had that. There was four people left in the theater, including me, uh, me mm. and Chris, mm. at the end. And I, I leaned over to Chris. I was like, "Should I tell them to stay? That there's more." He's like. <laughs> No. Yeah. It's so he's stupid like, to leave. Should, he's like, they should know by now. <laughs> well, the movie ends, right? And the, um, you know, there's that moment at the end with, with Loki, and then, it go, and then it goes into, like, the the painted titles. And people get up and start walking out. And I go to Jeff, are these people new? Have they never <laughs> been to a comic movie before? They even waited to the mid-title break to see this. I just want to give a shout-out real quick. Um, uh, Jack Jam 2010 uh, has been commenting and asking us questions. We'll get to one of your questions before the end, but I wanted to say hi, and thank you for commenting. Hello. Hey, Jack Hello. Jam. Yeah. Um, and uh, let's see, uh, Rand- Wavy JB asked, are you gay? Uh, the answer, none of us aren't. None of, none of us are. But if you're interested, I have some friends. So just this, let me know. This is my fault for talking about <laughs> yeah. Thor with a shirt off. This yeah. happens. <laughs> like, this guy runs the Man Cave podcast. <laughs> um, uh, so, uh, sorry. As, as someone who doesn't know anything about Guardians of the Galaxy, doesn't know anything about what we're talking oh, about. You're, you're not going to like this. That's fine. No, I want to hear this because yeah. you don't have an, an, an invested interest. Right. And here's something I talked about briefly yeah. before. You guys are being super comic book fans. I kind of group you all together. Mm-hmm. Very easily interested and very hard to please. Harder mm-hmm. to please, easier to interest. Yeah. Compared to me. Yeah, that's very good. Yeah. Right. Yeah, yeah. Who's very pretty. I'm simply pleased. Yeah. All these movies I've seen, I'm like, that was fun. Like, yeah. and I'm happy. You know, yeah. but I don't always have the initial interest that you mm-hmm. do. And this is going to be, and I think I represent a lot of people with that. And this is where Guardians of the Galaxy is very interesting because right now I'm not into it. If it wasn't for Bobby telling me, shut up, Jeff, this is going to be great, <laughs> then I really wouldn't be interested. 
And there is a moment, I kind of talked about a little before, where there is a moment where it, it starts to not, ca- I can't care about every one of these movies. Mm-hmm. You know, you guys, they put out Iron Man 11, you're going to be there, no mm-hmm. matter what. Eventually, people like me will stop being interested. And I hate for that moment to happen, and I worry that it's Guardians of the Galaxy, because I don't know anything about it. I don't know any of the characters in it. Nothing's appealing to me. You know, I'd rather watch another... I'd be more interested in a, another bad Superman movie. Because <laughs> I am invested of my childhood caring about Superman. Where here's a movie that might be... Say it's the best one that's come out. I might not care. I might not be interested enough to, to make a big deal to go see it. Where I had to see Thor with opening weekend. I, I can't wait for Captain America. But this, I think, might be the, the first divided movie in this where listen it's still gonna it's still gonna make 200 million dollars okay but maybe it's the first one that doesn't make 250 or Mm. whatever it is or maybe i just don't go see it but i'm very willing to be wrong about this like i was with iron man Mm -hmm. being wrong about iron man has been great for me (laughs) (laughs) i've had a lot of great movies and loved every minute of it i don't know anything about this i don't get it it sounds like a big reach with Mm. what the concept is in the movie and i wasn't excited anymore with this collector thing at the end of the movie i was like what is this like i don't get it like it was too in depth i it it too inside baseball. too inside baseball you guys were like oh man i looked at bombie had a big erection the whole thing <laughs> i was like i don't know what's going on you know so time will tell i'll happily be wrong but right now i have exactly zero interest in this movie i would say this wait till you see the footage wait till you see a Fair trailer enough. wait till you see anything yeah. because when you see the trailer, I think your tune's going to change a little bit. Listen, for me, I think that uh, the it, my problem with the after credit sequence, which is that it's so tonally different than the rest of the movie. And I understand why that is. I understand they're setting up. But if you look at those other after credit sequences, they all seem pretty in line with, with the tone and tenor of, of their movies. And this one is not. It's... Like you're on a different planet, and you, it, it, you know, literally and figuratively here. Look, it's obviously it's obvious that James Gunn directed that that little piece. It's weird, which is fine. Being so Toro, it's crazy out there. Mm-hmm. And when if when you when you the first moment of the tease the, of the the after credits thing, the first like probably five seconds when he started his like weird hair hand movement thing, I was like, oh no, I was like, is this what I'm going to see? And then once he got into it, I was like, <clears> okay. I'm all right. He's just being weird beneath the Dotoro, but that comes along with also being excellent at what he does. So I'm into it. Um, and the moments that I felt set it apart and made it a little weird for the end of Thor, I also was interested in. I loved like the weird, like it looked, you know, like the museum, like the alien museum thing. It looked like something from Doctor Who. It looked like um, <laughs> Ron Perlman's hangout from Pacific Rim. Yeah, yeah. I want to still frame that and see if there are Easter eggs in that shot. I'm sure there are. I'm sure there are. The uh, the, th- the thing that was in the at first in the background inside the tank yeah. almost looked like a piece of mojo. Yeah. <laughs> for just yeah. a second. Yeah, it did. Uh, so, I, and I do agree with Jeff on one part, though, is that there is nothing in this teaser that unless you know all of the stuff will will excite you because... 
unless you know it's one of those things that you can go back and look at in two years and be like oh my god they set it up two years ago this awesome <laughs> thing they're doing right now so cool but watching mm-hmm. it then it, there's no characters you recognize there's no no artifacts mentioned that you really know about unless you're a big comic book fan they don't say the name Thanos they don't it's not th- uh, 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 you know it's not the guy thing the Avengers they don't see him mm-hmm. so all of that stuff and I had to be like Jeff oh it has to do with that character thing the Avengers <laughs> you know yeah. so I and so I think that it fails a little bit in, in that way. Like you remember when we saw the first Iron Man and yeah. they did the the teaser at the end, Nick Fury thing. Yeah, yeah. I was like, "What was that? That yeah. was so cool." Yeah. And uh, and this one, I was like, "What? Like, yeah. I don't. Whatever. Yeah. You know, big difference. And it's funny because there's difference too because that one you're like, "Who are the Avengers?" <laughs> <laughs> you know, but you were excited about it. I you was know? so excited. I was and like, this didn't do that, so I think it fails a little bit in in, in that way. Yeah. Well, we've discussed the problem it's not a problem yet but guardians could be a really great movie that doesn't make the money it should because people mm-hmm. are put off by talking trees really mm-hmm. we the whole don't thing quite, seems we don't quite get there. it yeah but uh, what i agree with you bobby completely is if they show a really amazing trailer mm-hmm. that sells these characters drax and gamora mm-hmm. and all the rest of it you're people are just gonna say this is a space movie yeah this yeah. is an action movie it's the whole idea of what Steve was saying before, I guess, about the, the various genres, how it all makes itself into its own. If this is the new action movie mm-hmm. yeah. template, well, did people really ever get tired of cop movies? Mm-hmm. They keep making them, and they'll yeah. make 10 of them every year. Mm-hmm. There'll be good ones and bad ones. and mm-hmm. Sure. Yeah. Everything's been so good. Yeah. yeah. You know, for the most part, everything's mm-hmm. been, been so good, especially for Marvel. <coughs> Green Lantern. Well, that, that doesn't even count to me. Okay. <laughs> That's before I started keeping track. Okay. But, um, you know, everything's been so good that, it, you know, this one is a little out there for me. You yeah. know, it could be, the way you said it is right. It could be a great movie. I just, you've explained it to me 15 times, and I'm like, okay, they're in space. <laughs> you know, no, but here's the thing space. about Guardians of the Galaxy is yeah. that most comic book fans don't don't know who they are. Okay. They do now because there's a new series out that has gotten a lot of traction. But before that, before this movie was announced, mm-hmm. I was like, I don't know who they are. <laughs> <laughs> well, what you said about, and what you've said before, mm-hmm. and I think you even touched on it, this being a, just a new genre of action movie. Yeah. What makes it so great and what makes it so possible is even a guy like me understands that, I mean, look at the, that pile over there. Mm-hmm. Bobby has a pile of comic books mm-hmm. as tall as Steve, <laughs> <laughs> you know, and, and that's what's great about it. There's so much great literature out mm-hmm. there that there's so many great stories yeah. that it doesn't matter what color suit they're wearing yeah, or yeah, what yeah. their power is. Yeah. At the end of the day, there's a ton of great stories. Absolutely. And I look mm-hmm. forward to learning more and more. I think Lovely. that's a good way to end our, our segment so. on Thor. I want to hit a couple. Some listeners chimed in with their thoughts on Thor, and I want to make ah. sure we hit those. Uh, Mike uh, over on TonComicBooks.com, he wrote a comment here on the Thor. What did you think uh, story? He says, I think Thor The Dark World was the best Marvel film yet, upping the stakes both in terms of visual spectacle and character relationships. The big action scenes, especially the attack on Asgard, showed fantastic promise of what Star Wars Episode Seven could be ah. in the CGI department. Mm-hmm. The development of Eric Selvig and Jane Foster was great, both acknowledging but not dwelling too much on events in previous entries to the franchise. It was a stunning sci-fi fantasy adventure, romance comedy drama that wasn't afraid to slow down for character development, more emotional scenes, and even the sit and drink ale, eat breakfast moment never took me out of the action. Mm -hmm. Uh, Thor proved himself a maturing hero, 
Loki got plenty of laughs and showed he is not completely heartless, but the real prize goes to the British. Tom Hiddleston, Anthony Hopkins, Idris Alba, Christopher Eccleston, Adewale, Akinoye, Agbaje, Ray Stevenson, and, te- and technically Irish and not part of Britain, Chris O'Dowd, all of whom had, uh, had standout performances or made me chuckle. And seeing my home city finally destroyed, as well as New York has for all of these years, <laughs> made me so happy. Although now I may have to check myself into Arkham Asylum. Of special note was the fact that in the face of DC arguing over how to do a Wonder Woman movie, Marvel spent roughly five to ten minutes being interesting to find out exactly how long during the climactic battle of a subplot featuring Molinier trying desperately to re- reunite himself with its yeah, worthy hero. Um, so thank you very much, Mike, for that that really well-written yeah, uh, awesome. comment. Um, mm-hmm. And uh, Suzanne, who actually writes for the site Nagda, she writes for our site, oh, cool. she says, How fun was this movie? It had such an optimistic tone, even in the darker moments. When the Dark Elves attacked Asgard, the Seven Realms, Warner Brothers could learn a thing or two from Alan Taylor. As a side note, Idris Alba needs to be Black Panther or another awesome Avengers character ASAP. When he, was, when he has screen time, he brings such a strong performance, and I loved watching him protect Asgard. Um, she says, The only major flaw I noticed was that Malekith was not a particularly engaging villain. Who really cared about who the big bad was? I enjoyed the journey far more with Loki and Thor. The best laugh out low moment was Loki's impression of Captain America. Overall, I'd give it 8 out of 10 and rank it as one of my top three <clears throat> Marvel movies. Um, right so, on. Yeah, so yeah. thank you guys very much uh, for writing it. I want to tell... Um, it's funny because uh, the, the comments and the questions that... Uh, hold on a second here. That Jack Cham wrote in, we all, we answered a lot of them. Uh, he was asking about, is there going to be a, a next new famous comic book series? We talked about Captain Marvel uh, quite quite uh, intensively there before. That was my book of the week. It was your book <laughs> of the week. Um, he asked about fatigue and comic book movies. Are they, are they starting to degrade? So a lot a lot of great questions there. Good job, Jeff. Um, um, oh, he and and this is the Guardian of Galaxy mode. So we'll ask this. This is from Lee Stevenson. He says, "Will the general public be put off by the idea of Rocket, Ra- Rocket Raccoon, <laughs> who is a talking, foul-mouthed raccoon who murders people?" <laughs> I am Joe General Public in this conversation. <laughs> and, well, uh, what you hope for is not Jar Jar Binks. Mm-hmm. Yeah, good luck. Mm-hmm. That's a, you want to get this to work right and. The Edward Norton Hulk, the Mark Ruffalo Hulk character, both mm. worked as complete CGI characters, mm-hmm. so it can be done. I'm thinking they're going to do it. Yeah, I mean, also, he's a big difference in Jar Jar Binks, so he's not like, he I'm looks, a bumbling idiot. He, you know, <laughs> he looks amazing, first of all, in regard to the like, footage, yeah. footage, like technology, like what I've seen of him, and I've seen, Bobby's seen more than I have. Mm. He looks like a real raccoon mm. just walking around doing the, It's There's nothing... In t- like too cartoony about his design, I think that that'll help with people's acceptance mm-hmm. of him, and I think that his personality and him being—I'm mm-hmm. assuming that he's going to be the comic relief. Mm-hmm. I mean, I know that the movie overall is supposed to have a light tone or whatever, yeah. but I think he's going to be the movie's quip tastic character, mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. and I think that through through <clears throat> laughter and through snark that he's going to win a lot of people over. That he'll be the character. People didn't expect to enjoy uh, that they'll find that they really do. And in reference to Groot, uh, giant like, tree, ah, like I, like we don't know if they're going full dialogue with him yet or just the "I am Groot." Mm-hmm. That's all he says. I'll tell you this: when I read Guardians of the Galaxy, all he says is "I am Groot." But <laughs> where he says it, when he says it, and the reactions to him saying it. Mm-hmm. 
you you eventually get a sense of of his part of the conversation and you make up you almost make up your own dialogue your own character feeding off of what he offers and i think that he's going to be a great character too yeah. think about it like I just, people want to think of it like star wars i mean that's what it's kind of going to be like you know it's going to the lead character uh played by chris pratt who is uh, andy from Parks and Rec. Okay. The kind of guy who plays the guitar and is kind of doofy. Love that guy. Yeah, yeah. He got jacked up and he's the he's now he's the leader and he's going to be very kind of, you know, Han Solo-ish, wisecracking. Like I'm kind of a rogue, but I'm going to do the right thing. Good. He's in that awful Vince Vaughn movie. Yeah, the, the delivery that looks man. awful. Yeah, yeah. yeah. He's in that one. Uh, Groot is kind of like Chewbacca, like he has a very like, Chewbacca-ness to him, you know. And again, the cadre of characters and, and things like that. Um it's going to be interesting. I can't wait to see when this stuff actually starts to come out, but We'll see what happens when that first trailer hits and the general public actually gets to see what it looks like. Mm-hmm. Um, so let's uh, let's move quickly. We'll do this week's releases for, oh. for people. Um, and then we'll, we'll get out of here. Um, Just a little something to tell Bobby really quick while we're on the air. Yeah. Uh, as soon as we wrap this up, yeah. I'm going over to Brendan's. I have three hours with Dark Souls 2. Oh, I'm jealous of you. you. Jealous of you. So bummed. <laughs> right. um, here we go. Uh, from Avatar Press, we have Cross Badlands number 41. Jeff, you're gonna make your list of books you're gonna buy. Put it together right now. Okay, all right, good. Um, from Boom Studios, we have Three Guns, number four, Adventure Time, Candy Capers, number five, A Death Match, number eleven. Um, we've got uh, Hero Bear and the Kid Inheritance, number four, Protocol Orphans, number one of four, and Sons of Anarchy, number three. From Dark Horse Comics, we have Abe Sapien, uh, number seven. Um, we've got uh, Bloodhound, Crowbar Medicine, number two of five, Clown Fatale, number one of four. Uh, we've got um, Re- Resonant Alien, The Suicide Blonde, number three of three, Shoot First, number two of four, Shaolin Cowboy, number two, Star Wars, number 11, um, and X, number seven. Uh, from DC Comics, we have Astro City, number six, uh, Batgirl, number 25, it's which a crossover. zero year tie in, yeah. right? Um, we've got, uh, Batman Little Gotham number eight. Aww. We've got Coffin Hill number two, Constantine number eight, um, FPB Federal Bureau of Physics number five. Uh, we've got Forever Evil Arkham War number two, Green Lantern Corps number 25, Injustice Gods Among Us Annual number one, Justice League of America number nine, Justice League of America's Vibe number nine, Katana number nine, Nightwing number 25, um, Smallville Season 11 number 19, Suicide Squad number 25, Superboy number 25, uh, Superman Wonder Woman number two, and World's Finest number 17. No Batman? Um, no regular Batman? Batman number 25 as well. Sorry. Oh. Mm. Yeah. Thank you, Steve. Welcome. You were saving $3 there for a second. $3. I'm up to six <laughs> books. It's so $4 far. now. Uh, Dynamite <laughs> Entertainment, we have um, Battlestar Galactica number five. Um, we've got Codename Action number three. Uh, Deja Thoris and the Green Men of Mars number seven of 12. Garth Ennis's Red Team number six. Um, we've got Miss Fury number seven, uh, Mocking Dead number three, Noir number one, Pathfinder number eleven, uh, Shadow Green Hornet, Dark Knights number five, um, Vampirella. Uh, no, sorry, that's not. There's not a new Vampirella book actually, which is weird. Um, there's been a lot of them. Yeah, I know. Uh, and Warlord of Mars, Deja Thoris number thirty-one uh, from IDW. Doctor Who, Prisoners of Time number eleven. GI Joe number ten. GI Joe, a real American hero oh, number yeah. one ninety-six. 
Um, Mars Attacks Judge Dredd, number three. My Little Pony Micro Series, number, number nine. Other Dead, number three. Uh, Rocketeer the Spirit, Pulp Friction, number After three. Two months off. Yep. Now there are two of them in two weeks. Yep. Star Trek Con, number two. Um, <laughs> uh, Transformers, Prime Beast Hunters. Um, sorry, sorry, Bob. You don't get to guess. Triple Helix, number two. Yes. And Wraith, Welcome to Christmas Land, number one of five. That is Joe Hill and Gabriel Rodriguez, by the way. Okay, seven books. <laughs> it tie- I believe it ties in. It's a prequel to Nosferatu, I think. Ooh. Um, from Image Comics, we've got uh, Bounce, number seven. Uh, we've got Manhattan Projects, number 16. Manifest Destiny, number one. Uh, we've got Rocket Girl, number two. Ooh. Uh, three, number two. Umbral, number one. Yeah. Walking Dead, number 116. Um, and that is it for Image. Uh, from Marvel, we have All New X-Men, number 18. Uh, we've got Avengers Arena, number 17. Captain America, Living Legend, number three. Cataclysm, Ultimate Spider-Man, number one of three. Uh, Deadpool, number 19. Um, we've got... Let's see here. We got Fearless Defenders number eleven. Uh, we've got a Marvel Knights X Men number one. Uh, we've got Savage Wolverine number eleven. Superior Foes of Spider Man number five. Uh, Thor God of Thunder number fifteen. Superior Spider Man number twenty one. Wolverine number eleven. Uh, and we've got X Men Gold number one, which I believe is a reprinting of Claremont. Uh, X-Men stuff. Oh. It's, a, it's, like a, it's kind of like an essentials collection. That's what I believe it is anyway. Um, let's see what else we got here. Uh, from Valiant Entertainment, Archer and Armstrong, number 15, Harbinger, number 18, and Unity, number one, which is the new team book. Matt Kint writing that book. From Zenoscope, we have Grim Fairy Tales, number 91. Um, we have Grim Fairy Tales Presents Oz, number four. And that's what's on the shelves uh, right now. If you guys want to get in touch with us, it's at Talking Comics on Twitter, Facebook.com slash Talking Comics, and podcast at TalkingComicBooks.com is the email address. Also, TalkingComicBooks.com is the website. Um, we've got some cool stuff up there right now. Uh, Steve and I did a, a little peek at Mar- Lego Marvel superheroes where you see, you see us get stuck several times. So if you want to laugh at us a little bit, it's there for your, yes. your viewing pleasure. And uh, as soon as we get a few things worked out, Bobby and I will talk off the air. We have a full review of the video game going up uh, very, very soon. Yeah, it's absolutely. in the can, just needs a, few, <laughs> a little bit of polish. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, so you guys know, uh, in the coming, uh, probably in the next week or two at the most, we have a full uh, site uh, redesign that's, uh, really that's, awesome. that's going to come up for you guys. I, I think it's awesome. It looks great, which includes the launch of a new fully featured Talking Comics forum. Uh, so uh, people are going to be excited about that, I hope. So check that stuff out. Um, Jeff, why don't you tell the people at home where they can get in touch with you, sir? Sure. Thanks uh, Thanks for having me on, guys. Always oh, love pleasure. hanging out, talking mm. comic books and movies with you guys. Find me on Twitter is the best way if you're interested. Uh, at Man Cave Podcast, uh, I tweet all the time. I'm very big into it. Love to have you be a part of it. The website is themancavepodcast.com, where Bobby and I sit down and talk about all stuff. Stuff guy, as I mention all the time. Mm-hmm. Of course, you can find us on iTunes. And uh, this Monday night, I'll be performing stand up at Revolution Bar and Grill in Amityville at 7:30. Oh. If you live on Long Island, <laughs> and uh, you can check the Twitter for other stand up dates to come. 
And uh, at Man Cave Podcast, that's the spot. Thank you very much, guys. Awesome. Thank you, Thank you so Excellent. much. Um, I'm at Bobby Shortle on Twitter. Steve? I am at dead underscore anchorus. Bob, that email address. I am at Bob Ryer at talkingcomicbooks.com. May I throw something in before we go? Absolutely, quickly? sir. One of our listeners, Logan Rowland, mm-hmm. has launched an Indiegogo project for his comic book project, which is a novel slash graphic novel. Okay. And that's called A Flight of Birds. Okay. We'll look it up right now. Clickety clackety. Clickety clackety. I'm sorry, I remember to put it in the sh- Oh, no. <laughs> there we go. Indiegogo. There it is. A flight of birds. All right. Make Great. sure to put that in the show notes. Aesop Rock stuck in my head. Thanks, Logan is Logan is an awesome dude. So, um, yeah, 41 days left. Uh, only asking for 2500 and he's at 275 right now. So Let's start. Give. That's the, better than, unfortunately, our Roger Corman. Yeah, it's true. Fantastic Four movie out. friends. We did. didn't work out well for but us. But that movie's getting made, so um, we're still in good shape. And the cool thing about Indiegogo, too, is unlike Kickstarter, where if you don't make your goal, you don't get any of the money, Indiegogo, you do get the money. Whatever money you make, you can still get it. Um, and so even if, if you like the idea and it doesn't look like it's going to you know get funded, don't just say, oh, I'm not going to give it to it. Then you, he can still get the money and help this, this passion project of yeah. his um, get made. All right, so that is now going to do it for this review of Thor, uh, The Dark World. Um, and that's going to do it for the Talking Comics podcast. So for Steve, Meow Meow, Bob, I am Groot, and Jeff. Sorry for being so crude. <laughs> I have been Bobby. Until next time on Talking Comics, to be continued.